Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, the Flames fall 6-3 to the San Jose Sharks here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we get things going on your Flames Talk postgame on a Thursday night. Pat Steinberg along with you in the Hot Stove Lounge, and let's head immediately to the Flames locker room and get some postgame reaction from Martin Pospisil. Martin, uh, really appreciate the time. How do, you, uh, how do you put this one into words? How did you see this one from your standpoint tonight? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first period was was pretty good, but then we uh, kind of slowed down and uh, we we were trying to find uh, our our game. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just we just have to uh, uh, we can get the frustrated, you know. Uh, some when some shift uh, doesn't go in your way, we just you just have to keep keep uh, battle, battling and. Uh, you know, uh, if we're gonna have a chance on the power play, uh, it's good, good to score. And I hope uh, next game it's gonna be better. And uh, uh, yeah, we just have to keep, keep, uh, keep playing. And uh, you know, it's it's hard to describe it right, right after game. But uh, we're gonna be better. This one, this was 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 not good enough uh, from everybody. Any um, any idea what happened after a really good first period, Martin? Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to hard to uh, tell what really happened. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, we, we we just uh, slowed down, and uh, you know we had a couple of uh, bad shifts, and that uh, uh, you know then they they scored uh, uh, a couple goals after after that, and we just. Uh, you know, even if they score, you have to just uh, keep playing, keep playing your game. Even even uh, if you if you're losing the game, you know you still have a uh, uh, still have uh, lots of uh, minutes left in the game, so you can give up. And uh, you know, uh, we just have to move on, and uh, we gotta be better next game. Final question, Martin. Uh, and you talk about just moving on and and moving on to the next game. You, you have to forget this one pretty quick, don't you, for Saturday's game against Detroit? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have to forget and uh, and uh, make sure we we ready for the next game. And uh, you know, the the energy and the the the, the compete and the, the pace needs to be better. Uh, like I said. Uh, you know, just play uh, uh, that kind of game from the world fans. It's uh, it's terrible. Uh, so uh, yeah, make sure we we're ready for the next game and. Uh and make sure we won, won the game if you want to uh, play playoffs. Martin, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for doing this. That is Martin Pospisil uh, postgame from the Flames locker room following a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks as we are underway on your Flames Talk postgame show. Uh, that was not pretty. That was uh, an ugly final 40 minutes of play and uh, not the way the Flames wanted to kick off a four-game homestand. It's Pat Steinberg along with you here on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text lines open open at 960-960. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills joining us now on our Flames Talk postgame show as well. Yeah, Mick, I don't really know how you put this one into words. I, the, the frustrating part is how predictable it was. That might be the thing that is is so frustrating is that you kind of wondered if this was going to happen, and it happened. Yeah, I think for me, one word that would describe the way the Flames played would be soft. 
uh, in terms of the plays that they were making with the puck. Way too many turnovers. Uh, you look at, like, back to the first goal and the, the turnover by Noah Hannafin. And, you know, it's been an issue throughout the season, the turnovers in the neutral zone, but I don't think we've ever seen turnovers in the defensive zone as bad as they were tonight. So just some, some really soft plays in that area. And then... I mean, all over the ice, they weren't physical enough. They didn't play with enough energy and enough pace and enough compete, like Martin Pospisil just said. So I think soft would be a, a really good way to put it. They weren't going to the net very hard um, and just all over the ice, just not good enough. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, even glass half full guy is going to have a hard time putting a positive spin on that game. I actually quite liked them in the first period and – Thought they could have had, maybe should have had a larger lead than one nothing, and that Mackenzie Blackwood kept the Sharks close. But the Flames were flat as a pancake in the second period, outside of uh, that four-on-four situation where they had some good looks. And then at the end of the period when they scored once and almost scored twice to tie it. But, man, oh, man, I don't know if they were tired or just took the Sharks too lightly, maybe a little bit of both, but... The final 40 minutes were really tough to watch. And just quickly going through the schedule here, one, two, three, four. That was the Flames' fifth loss this season against a team that's currently bottom five in the NHL's overall standings. Guys, it's happened way too often. Yep, that's why That's why I said like it just felt really predictable. Mm-hmm. Two against Columbus, uh, one against Chicago, this one against San Jose. and um, you just, Ottawa. And then the Ottawa game. And, it just, and, and the reason I say it is because every time over the last couple of years, it felt like the Flames had an opportunity to pick up a win against a very beatable team in a, in a decently important spot that kind of goes the other way on them. And the frustrating one about this one, Derek, is that, yeah, as, as Mick said, like it was – really egregious self-inflicted wounds in in the defensive zone i just uh and and it kind of continued into the third period even the even those third period goals the 6-2 goal was a really bad turnover in the neutral zone that ends up in the back of their net and i can't really wrap my head around this jekyll and hyde hockey team i mean we saw it again on that four-game road trip out east Mm -hmm. where they play up to their competition they beat one of the best teams in the league in the Bruins, 4-1, to one, and beat a really good Devils team, 5-3, to three, and then a desperate Islanders team, 5-2, to two, and you know, played a pretty good final 40 minutes against a really good Rangers team, a game that was, for all intents and purposes, a one-goal game with an empty netter to make it 2 nothing. And then they come home to play the second-worst team in the league without a number of key players, and after a pretty good first period, just fall flat in the second and third periods. And I didn't see a lot of desperation or urgency from this team when they did fall behind and were still within striking distance in this hockey game. So super disappointed. This was, on paper, the easiest game for them to win during this four-game homestand and one they had to have. And now you go from being three points out of a playoff spot to being five points out of the two wild-card spots. Uh, tough one from the goaltender out tonight for sure. It's uh, Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson around the table. Let's uh, check in now with Flames assistant coach Kale McLean, who joins us here in the hot stove lounge on our Flames Talk post game show as well. Kale, how how'd you uh, see this one get away on the group tonight? Uh, you got me there. Yeah, um, it felt like our our compete level wasn't where it needed to be from the get go. And that was uh, something that didn't quite, you know, it, we hung in there in the first period. 
wasn't a terrible first period, but we didn't have a lot of jump as you saw off the start. And uh, it wore on us. You know, they they outworked us and they created turnovers and they took away time and space and we weren't able to provide outlets in the manner of like being in good positions and that's a work ethic thing and I think it's a compete thing and um, so uh, that was one where I think we have to admit and we had some holes in our game and we just didn't uh, compete to the level we need to. One line that in against the Rangers as well I thought that did compete really well and, and had a good game was that of Nazem Kadri, Kadri and the kids as we call them. Uh, what can you say about just that line and even in games like this where it's it's tough and things just aren't going your way, uh, their ability to still show up and play with the pace that they do and the energy and the compete? Yeah, I think that um, Naz is, a, you know, he's a guy that is usually on in that department every night. You know, he's a guy that is uh, definitely driven by the competitive side of the game, and he brings that to the table often. Give him a lot of credit for that. Over the course of the seasons he's been here, he's always been a very competitive player. And I think another factor in that um, mix is that Martin Pospisil is the kind of guy that not only is he competitive and hard on the puck, but he's also, he's got really good speed. And that speed allows him to like make um, sort of 40-60s into 50-50s and sort of create a competitiveness around a shift. He's got the ability to run into people a lot and just sort of create havoc and um, draw a lot of attention. And I think that also um has a habit of pulling our team and especially their line into the mm-hmm. fight definitely mm-hmm. when they're you know always sort of at the you know in the mix in terms of physicality and post whistle sh- pushing and shoving and things like that i think they thrive on that Kel, I think you would agree that the power play has been an Achilles heel for this team this season. But coming out of the break with the addition of Andre Kuzmenko, I thought you guys were really dangerous in two or three of the four games you played on the road. But 0 for 5 tonight, uh, what did you see in the PP in this one? Yeah, uh, I agree with you. It's been it's been really solid as of late. Uh, unfortunately, tonight didn't think that we had the um, shot mentality that we want the guys to have. Um, in terms of, again, a uh, San Jose team that's very competitive and very pressuring. You need to make two or three quick plays in order to open up um, a good look, but it's that end point that you have to be ready to shoot because they're a quick team that's going to be back into position if you don't shoot immediately. And I thought that we passed up a few of those shots. We had some good looks. We had some some entry looks that were really good. Uh, the one I remember is at the end of the second period, I think it was Manjapani off of an entry that had a great opportunity. So there were some plays made. It's that uh, volume-wise, you hope for more with more power plays that you can just create more volume. And more volume means more loose change, more rebounds. Maybe one squeaks through and all of a sudden you're off to the races. We're chatting with Cal McLean, Flames assistant coach, following uh, this 6-3 loss to San Jose. We were, we were talking before you uh, before you sat down. Just you know, it, It's been a year where there's been some really nice stretches for the group. You come off that road trip and, and four really solid games. Uh, I, and... It's kind of been over even the last you know three or four weeks, kind of an up and down. You've had some really nice stretches, and then maybe the other way. As a coaching staff, what can you do to to try to maybe level out that that line so that the the swings aren't as dramatic? 
Well, I think we got to apply the pressure and make sure, you know, like we did this morning in terms of we can't come back into our building with that kind of attitude that things are going to, you know, sort of win themselves at home and especially after a long road trip. And uh, that, you know, that didn't come to fruition. So that's on us as well as the players. So we have to make sure that we apply a lot of pressure to, to not let this thing turn into, you know, a three-game streak. We got to make sure that we correct it. We come back ready to play against Detroit, but most importantly, ready to compete and uh, work at the level that we're accustomed to and that we expect. So, so it's uh, something where we have to make it uh, really clear of what the expectations are and whether that's, you know, video wise, whether that's in meetings, whether it's in individual sessions, but it's really important for us to, as you mentioned, iron out those, those points where sometimes we found ourselves to get into a bit of a rut and it's, we stay in that rut for a bit. We don't have time for that. You know, that was important today to get out of it, you know, after our New York Rangers game. We didn't, so now our choice is to uh, move forward and make sure that we're really good on uh, Saturday, and it's going to be a challenge. What do you think the difference has been? Like, you look at the way that you guys have played against some really top-end teams, like uh, the road trip, for example, and just your ability to raise the level of play against those top-end teams, but then fall to teams that are lower in the standings. Just as a coach, what do you see from the group in terms of what the difference is there in those games? I, I and I don't think that it's purely mentality. I think that sometimes when you see um, teams that are maybe lower in the standings or also maybe younger, sometimes they have a lot of speed to their game. You know, they have a little less predictability to the game. And they have a lot of speed. I agree with you. I think this year and previous years that I've been here, we play top teams really well. We usually play them very hard. Those games are usually quite structured and um, not that they aren't fast, but they're not uh, as loose or chaotic. And I think sometimes we get into games where things are uh, a little more chaotic, a little more sporadic, and they're a little more um, like just really speedy in in random directions that gives us a bit of trouble and uh, gave us a bit of trouble tonight give uh, San Jose credit they worked really hard so they put a lot of heat on you with their two-man pressure all over the ice and um, as you saw the first and second goals against were direct results of that two-man pressure we just need it's not just on the the passer when there's a turnover it's on the receivers being in good spots and um, sometimes when we get into these games where they're really quick and a lot of pressure, we have to we have to be better at finding good support and making plays. I'm going to preface this question by saying that I think it's safe to say that the 18 skaters weren't good enough in front of the goaltender tonight. But what did you think of Dustin Wolf in this one? Uh, I thought he was solid early, and then I thought he'd want a few back uh, late. Now, sometimes when we're when we're giving them, you know, some looks are harder than they appear when. Um, their shots coming through a screen and the release is hidden by, you know, based on dragging or pulling around defensemen. So those aren't so easy, but I know Dustin and I know what kind of competitor he is and I know how coordinated and how um, well he reads the play. I know that he'd want a few of those back. And I think our whole team really, you know, 
is disappointed in the way that game got away from us. You know, it was a unfortunate, we had an unfortunate bounce to make that a 3-1 game. Then we came back, made it 3-2, and we we had a chance to settle in and make make a hockey game of it. And unfortunately, we gave up some some easy goals, and those weren't just on Dustin; those were on us as a group for sure. Appreciate the time, Kyle. Thank you so much. Okay. Good luck on Saturday. Thanks, guys. Uh, Kyle McLean, Flames assistant coach, following tonight's uh, 6-3 setback against the San Jose Sharks here at the Scotiabank Saddledome with Megan and Derek. It's Pat and your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's select tonight's hardest working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, which way are we going on the hardest worker tonight? I'm going to go with Nazem Kadri. He had a, a solid game just in terms of even when the game got tough and you could see the group was flat and their play started to sag, he still, it seems like their line would come out the next shift and give them a little bit of a boost and a bit of a bump. And I, he's been the catalyst on that line in terms of making – that happen and I just thought you know he had a goal and he was really good for this team in in a game where the team was not good yep that's pretty much one of the only yeah there's only a couple of choices tonight yeah and Kadri's your hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements learn from the best send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com I actually like that whole line yeah so Nazem Kadri with three shots Seven attempts, uh, and he had that one goal. Martin Pospisil, again, just throwing his weight around. Two shots, six attempts, a team high, five hits. And Connor Zeri was dangerous, too. He had four yeah. shots and six attempts and was probably unlucky not to pick up a point or two tonight. But, again, as you guys have both pointed out, uh, only a handful of Flames were good in this game. And for me, that's a real contrast to what we saw during that four-game road trip. I know they weren't good in the first period against the Rangers, but I thought pretty good in the second and third periods of that 2 nothing loss. And then in the 4-1, 5-3, and 5-2 victories over the Bruins, Devils, and Islanders, respectively, the Flames, for the first time this season, were a team that was rolling four lines and three pairings and, and just getting to their opponent with their depth and their balance Mm-hmm. And they just, they weren't that team tonight. Yep. So a shot of, uh, there's a shot of Kadri uh, on the Sportsnet telecast uh, late in the game. It was final minute and they just showed him on the bench and he just had the thousand yard stare, just shaking his head. And I was like, oof, that's not what you want to see. And and it's game related. It's that, it was a shaking your head type game, but it was just, it was a really stark visual. I, I looked over to Logan. I'm like, look at that. Like Kadri was just looking Again, thousand yards there, just shaking his head. Because uh, that's that's got to be if you're a veteran in that room, especially if you're a guy who played the way Kadri did tonight. Like you, you went out and took care of your own backyard. I'd, I'd be shaking my head the way this one went as well, too. Yeah, something that I'm wondering about, and Megan and I talked about it on the way down from the Peter Mar Radio broadcast booth, sponsored by South Point Toyota tonight. Um, when this team's on the road, and they're now better on the road than at home this season, mm-hmm. one game above 500 on the road, 500 at home, I think they get away from some of the distractions that they have to deal with here at home. Of which there are a lot these days. There are a lot. Yeah. And I'm starting to wonder if it's wearing this team out. Think about some of the responses we've had to questions over the last couple of days. 
about all the trade rumors surrounding Jacob Markstrom and Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. When they're on the road, they don't have to answer as many of those questions. They come home and they get berated with them. And I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying that it's the media's fault for asking them these questions. We're just doing our job. But this chatter's been going from the offseason. And it kind of dies down, and then it picks back up again. And now we're three weeks away from the NHL's trade deadline, so, you know, it seems to get hotter by the day. And when they traded Nikita Zadorov, I thought the team responded well to that. And when they traded Elias Lindholm, I thought the team responded really well to that. And now you've got two or three guys that are still kind of floating around in limbo, and I I do wonder if it's wearing on them and wearing on this group. Yep. Well, and we've heard Rasmus Anderson now say it a number of times, like, he says, we're humans too. Yeah. Like they hear those things and you have to think that everything that they've been through over the course of the season, that it's starting to compound. And I mean, if I were a player and you're getting asked those questions over and over again, as much as you try to push them out of your head and as much as that is your job, you're still thinking about it to some degree. So, you know, at the end of the day, you can't, you can't let it affect your play. You still have to come and, and play the way that you need to play. And another difference that I see, I mean, you look at the way that they were on that four game road trip and how much fun they were having. And the smiles and the energy and they play their best hockey when they're bringing, you know, that element of fun. And it's not that they're just out there hooting and hollering and having a good old time. They're still working hard, Mm -hmm. but it's they're having fun. And I saw zero fun in their game from puck drop tonight. And, you know, the work ethic wasn't there you know, from start to finish as well. But it just seems like a group that they really come together when you know, they're having fun and, and they're patting each other on the back. And you do play better uh, in in that situation as well. So you know, that's a bit of a difference for me too in this team mm-hmm. on the road versus at home. And we're kind of taking a small picture look at it. I mean, big picture, I like the trades that Craig Conroy has made. Mm-hmm. I really like the Toffoli trade. Really like the Lindholm trade. I think the Zadorov trade was addition by subtraction. <laughs> and yeah. he could have waited and probably got a little bit more, but had to pull the trigger. And I think we all understand why. And I've got to give a lot of credit to the three guys we're talking about here. So Jacob Markstrom, Noah Hannafin, and Chris Tanev. They have been three of the Flames' best players this year. Mm-hmm. And I do think the, the rumors have had less of an effect on them, at least as far as their performance on the ice, than on Lindholm. It really looked like it was weighing on him. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it has anything to do with Markstrom, Hannafin, or Tanev, because, again, they've been three of this team's best players consistently all season long. But I just think it's, it's something that once we get past March 8th and we know what this team's going to look like moving forward, I think it'll be uh, a relief in, in some ways. Even if they lose a, a teammate or two or three between now and then, just uh, to be able to move past all these questions that have really being, been being asked since the offseason when we talked about all the big pending UFT, UFAs this team had. Uh, let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. 6-3, your final score. Flames fall to the San Jose Sharks here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Oh, we don't, we don't, uh, it's in there, Azam. Are we ready to play it? Okay, hit it whenever we're ready. Coach, what, what can a night like this do for a 
young developing quarter. He took it on the chin tonight. Yeah, he did. Um, well, it's a, a lesson, I guess, that he's he's got to find a way. Well, I know he he's good that way. He'll flush it and move on from it. And there are certain things that um, he'll take from it and make sure he's better his next start. What do you want your group to take from this game? Um, in regards to the game, not a lot. Um, I, I think the one area that I'm most disappointed in was the lack of competitiveness from our team tonight. And you can't say that very often about our group. So that one stings a little bit. X's and O's don't mean a thing if there's no compete. So that's the hard part for tonight. By my count, four goals were a direct result of pretty egregious giveaways in your own yeah. zone or your yeah. zone. Is that a lack of focus? Is that a lack of competitiveness? Or is that just carelessness? Carelessness. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, carelessness. Did you see anything in the first period that made you have concern, or did you walk away from that going, okay, we've played well? No, we had nothing. Or were you going? No, not after the first. Right. The second, you could see it. I, you know, the one thing, I guess, too, when you when you look at this game, the power play opportunities, we had an opportunity with three in a row, and um, we didn't really do much of anything with any of our power plays. And there are situations where we could have worked to really put a nail in on a team with with a, a few good power plays there and that's something that didn't happen tonight and I think that kind of shifted the momentum of our team a little bit for sure. Right. You said this was a game that they thought was maybe going to be easy for them. How do you try to get that mentality out of your group instead of, you know, especially when we're talking about the lower down opponents? Yeah. I don't know how you, we could think that any team would be easy, to be quite honest with we're in a fight every day and if you're not at your best we talked about it a lot before you're not going to win it doesn't matter who you're playing um so it's um, y there needs to be part of the competing an emotional attachment to the game so you have to have a little snarl to you and really there was a few people that did for us tonight like marty pospisil um, was one of our players that i thought he he played the way we needed to play but there there weren't a lot more uh, Ryan, just why has this group had troubles with the Chicago's and the San Jose's of the world the past two seasons? If that answer, if I had that one for you today, I would give it to you. Is it, is it worrying that with a veteran group, you don't necessarily know that, given they have been I don't necessarily think we have a veteran group, per se. We have a lot of young players in our lineup. Um, you know, preparation, a lot of that, we, we deliver a message, and then it's up to the players to make sure they're doing things the right way a lot of times. And... Um, like I said, the, the first period for us wasn't so much the issue, but the rest of the game sure, certainly was. Is there anything in their approach to these games that concerns you with that? I don't know what their approach is like. I know what it's like when we have them here. You had mentioned earlier that Dustin should be able to flush this type of game away. Yeah. What have you seen from his mental fortitude that leads you to think that he can do that? Well, he's he's a you know a goalie that's overcome a lot of hurdles all the way along so a lot of people said he couldn't play in the western league played there couldn't play in the american leagues played there so now he's getting a chance to play in the the nhl you often hear athletes say that when they do you know suffer a loss or have a bad performance all they want to do is get back out there and, and kind of move past it and put in another but dustin doesn't get to play at the nhl level as much so i mean what what, what do you what's the key for him i guess in terms of moving past this just to do what he's been doing you know he needs to get back in there and be be himself 
There you go. There's head coach Ryan Huska postgame tonight following a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks. Our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. It's uh, Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills on your Flames Talk postgame show here. Um, uh, the marquee matchup was focused on Dustin Wolf and, and opportunity. First time that he's played in the NHL since uh, December 12th against Vegas. Uh, a rough one for him, Mick. It was, it was uh, not a great night for the entire team, so by no means pinning it on any one player but you know we've talked about some some skaters and and some you know the Hannafin giveaway the Uyghur giveaway that there was a, it was also a, a rough night between the pipes and uh, there's going to be ones as Cal McLean just said and as Ryan Huska said uh, after that there's going to be some ones that he's going to want back in there as well yeah and I mean of course there's a few that he's going to want back but in terms of the way the team played in front of him, I mean, they didn't do him any favors yeah. with those turnovers and careless turnovers, as we just heard Ryan Huska say. So, you know, it's it's tough for Dustin Wolf. You think of the resilience that he's shown to get to this point in his career and, you know, all the the people that said that he was too small and he couldn't play at any level. And, you know, he's worked really hard to prove them wrong. And so for me, like the human side of me feels really bad for Dustin Wolf because, you know, you want to hear a story like a guy that proved everybody wrong and came and took advantage of the opportunity that was presented to him. So uh, I do feel bad for Dustin Wolf. Uh, you know, he, like Ryan Huska said, though, he is a competitor and he's going to want to come back. The next opportunity that he gets, this is a, a learning opportunity and, and experience for him to come back the next time and to be better. And I mean, I'm not a goaltending expert, but there was a few times where I think he was too deep in his net. And for a, a goaltender that is small, you need to try to make yourself big so that would be my only takeaway um from his play but you know for a goalie that he has shown promise um I hope for a better team performance in front of him the next time he gets a start yeah he's proven everything that he can prove I mean outside of winning a Calder Cup at the American Hockey League level and now we need to see more of him at the National Hockey League level he hasn't been very good this season. That's, that's a fact. He's given up 11 goals in his last two NHL starts. Uh, confidence is important for every player. I think it could be more important for a goaltender and maybe even more important for an undersized goaltender who is trying to figure out uh, who he is at the NHL level. So I, I'm kind of hoping that Dustin Wolf doesn't have to wait a month or two to get his next NHL start because I would like to, to see him given an opportunity to bounce back from a tough game. And I can't pin this one on him because even if he had been the best player on the ice tonight, I'm not sure that would have been good enough with the way no. the Flames played in front of him. So it was almost a difficult game to evaluate Dustin Wolf in because not all of the 18 forwards and defensemen were bad, but more guys had off nights than on nights, I would say. I, yeah. I think that's safe to say. So Dustin Wolf needs to be better moving forward. I think he would be the first guy to, to admit that. But uh, for me, this one was more so on the, the four lines and three pairings or most of the four lines and three pairings in front of the goaltender tonight because uh, they kind of hung him out the dry at times. Another interesting thing, too, is you look at Dustin Wolf and when he's played his best hockey, it's when he's playing a lot. 
right? Like yeah. at the American League level, I mean, he's the go-to guy. And you get in into a groove, you get on a roll, you're feeling good, you're getting back-to-back games, you're playing a ton. When he's come in, I mean, he hadn't played an NHL game since December the 12th. Yeah, it's been two months. Like, that's that's really hard to come into that situation as well in terms of adjusting to the speed and the pace. And you can practice all you want at a certain level, but it's not the same as playing a game. So, you know, I don't know when, if he gets that opportunity to get into a rhythm and to get into a group. But to me, it would be really interesting to see the difference in his play if he, you know, was able to string a couple of games games together the other thing is and we talked about the three guys who we're all kind of wondering about between now and March 8th so you got the two defensemen in Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev and then the goaltender Jacob Markstrom what's going on between their ears right we've all wondered that I think it's also fair to wonder what's going on between the ears of guys who could be impacted by those moves and at the top of that list I would say is Dustin Wolf who has been waiting to have an opportunity to become a full-time NHLer because I think he's earned that opportunity with what he's accomplished over the last couple of years in the AHL. You don't think he's heard the rumors about Jacob Markstrom? You don't think he's wondering what's going to happen between now and March 8th? Of course he is. Yeah. And again, these, these are human beings we're talking about. This isn't me making excuses. The Flames didn't play well enough to win a game against the 31st overall Sharks tonight. That's the bottom line. But they're still human beings, and there are a lot of factors that are involved here. And I do think that uh, the weight of all that's uh, kind of been swirling around this team this season uh, at times has has impacted their play on the ice, and I think tonight was one of those nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone lines in just a second, 403-240-4444. We'll get there. We'll get to your text line, more inside the Flames locker room. Text line's at 960-960. We've said a lot, so probably quick on our final thoughts, but uh, Mick and uh, Wilsey wrap it up, a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I mean, I would just say... Too many turnovers, power play wasn't good enough, didn't compete hard enough. Uh, But I think what we've seen from this group is resilience. So I'm hopeful that the next game, I mean, you have tomorrow and then you have a a 2 o'clock game, matinee game. Players love matinee games to come around uh, or to come and, and turn things around. So I'm hopeful that we'll see a different Flames group on Saturday afternoon. We better, uh, because uh, they're going to play a more talented team, uh, another desperate team in the Red Wings, and then you've got two of the top teams in the league coming in to wrap up the four-game homestand with uh, the Jets and and Bruins coming to town. So we live in a world of what have you done for me lately. I thought the Flames played really well during that four-game road trip, and if they had lost the first game and then won the last three games, everybody would have been feeling great about them coming home, right? But then they won the first three games and lost the last game. So that's what you remember. Okay, so now you start a four-game homestand with a really tough-to-swallow loss. Let's be honest. If you win the next three, which is going to be way easier said than done, that's what everybody, including the coaches and the players and the fans, will remember. Uh, But they have to stop the up and down, the Jekyll and Hyde. Pat, you referred to it as a roller coaster earlier. In their last 14 games, here's what the Flames have done. Win four lose four, win four, lose two. Mm-hmm. Get off the damn roller coaster. <laughs> Starting on Saturday, you got back-to-back matinee games coming up. 
nothing you can do about this game except try to learn an important lesson from it. Be better against the Red Wings on Saturday, and I, I believe the Flames will be. Uh, all right. See you on Friday, friends. Okay. Good night, Pat. Bye, Pat. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson signing off following a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We'll take a break. Come back with uh, your phone calls at 403-240-4444. We'll come back with your texts at 960-960. More thoughts inside the Flames locker room as well. Tough one. That was ugly. Let's be honest. That was just a gross loss for the Flames. And unacceptable in game 54 or whatever it was. Yeah, game 54. You're in a playoff fight. You don't have these in you anymore. And they're running out of stinkers. And this was exactly what that was. Uh, call now, 403-240-4444. Text now, 960-960. Flames Talk game on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. An ugly Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome for the Calgary Flames, and it just felt too predictable, hey? Like, it just felt like you could feel it coming. And coming into this game tonight, you just were like, are they going to lay another egg against a bottom-feeding team? And, and... First of all, let's give the Sharks a ton of credit. They played their tails off, and for 40 straight minutes, they outworked the Flames in a significant manner. Like, it was lopsided, the work ethics here, in the final 40 minutes of play. The Sharks have a significant talent deficit to every team in the league, except maybe two or three. But they worked, and when you work and another team doesn't, it can kind of turn into the way this game went. And then you get frustrated and the other team's still working and now the frustration's shooting in the foot and uh, it turns into a 6-2 lead and eventually a 6-3 loss. A 6-2 deficit, rather, and eventually a 6-3 loss. And, yeah, uh, there were boos. There were nobody sitting in the seats at the end of this one. That was an ugly way to kick off a four-game homestand. Too many passengers, too many mistakes. You can count on one hand the impressive performances i thought kadri i thought pospisil i thought zary um otherwise it was it was pretty thin the the top four defense really struggled Tanev had a rough night. Hannafin had a rough night. The anderson Weger pairing was a little bit too underwater and too scrambly. It just uh, And Dustin Wolf struggled. Uh, it wasn't a great night for the goaltender either as he continues to find his footing in the NHL, which is not an easy thing to do when you've had five NHL starts this season and they've all come very spread out. It's tough to get your bearings, and, and that's not easy, but wasn't a great night between the pipes either. It was just a, a, a rough 60 minutes of hockey and especially Especially that final 40 as the Flames lose 6-3. It's Steinberg with you. And the problem is, is that you've got so few of these left in you if you're the Flames in that if you want to be a playoff team this year, and I know a lot of people don't want to see them make the playoffs and there's a lot of talk about what good that would do and all that type of stuff. And I, I, I fully understand the discourse. But the Flames inside that room keep on being very defiant about being a wild card team. And I, I understand that defiance because they've been written off by a lot of people and they're still in the mix. And they're saying, why couldn't we get there? Like, what? stop stop saying that we couldn't. We believe we can. Well, if, if you're going to be one, you can't have these games. That's why I kept calling it a 
can't lose. Not a must win. That's a can't lose game. And you've only got a few can't loses in you. And the Flames had another one. They, they, they've already done it once against Chicago. They've done it twice against Columbus. And now this one against San Jose with a difficult three games to come on this homestand with a good Detroit team that's a desperate Detroit team fighting for their playoff lives, and they just lost in Vancouver tonight. Then you've got Winnipeg and one of the Vesna Trophy finalists and Connor Hellebuck and, and how good they've been. And then you've got a Boston Bruins team that is going to remember how bad they played against you to kick off that road trip last week, and they're going to want to come back and exert a measure of revenge. You're going to have to play a whole lot better than this, of course. The problem is you can play better against any one of those three teams and maybe you don't get the result because the other team has a say in it too and that just makes this loss that much more frustrating. Okay, uh, phone lines at 403-240-4444. Text line at 960-960. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for tonight's save of the game as Dustin Wolf got his first start in the NHL uh, since December 12th. Save of the game is brought to you by Shane Holmes and Dustin's save of the game comes in period at number three. There's Addison across the Flames line. He drops the ground. The centers. Addison a one-timer stopped by Wolf. One of his better saves tonight. That is one of, when it's all said and done, the 24 stops made by Dustin Wolf tonight. And that's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Let's hear from Dustin Wolf right now. Tough night for him in his first start in more than two months. Here's Dustin post game inside the Flames locker room. From the outside, obviously, it looks like a pretty rough game. Uh, maybe your evaluation of, of how you thought you performed tonight. Yeah, I think rough is a uh, a good way to put it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those where you know you make some saves, and next thing you know, a couple are in your net, and um, you, know, you get a couple of bounces that don't go your way, and you know, it's you know, it's the nature of, of hockey, and um, you know, the national hockey that's hard to play and so um no it sucks but uh i gotta look at it as a great opportunity to you know go back and look and see what i can some fixes and uh you know go from there Justin, when the, when the game when the starts come so infrequently at this level is, do you put extra pressure on yourself or is it hard not to i mean you always want to come out and, and play the very best you can and, um you know i didn't expect to play today, but I you was know, super happy that I got to. And um, obviously, unfortunate for the outcome, but I think these are these are games and days that you know you look back on and you know they suck. But at the same time, it's a great opportunity to evaluate yourself as a as a player and a person and come back stronger. When things aren't going your way, are you able to kind of at least mentally kind of stop the bleeding and stay present and focused on just stopping the next one? Or did you feel this one kind of slipping? Yeah, I mean, um, I'd like to say that's one of my strengths in my, my game. And um, I think today definitely was a frustrating one, to say the least. And, but at the same time, I guess it's a great opportunity to, to learn and you know, go, go from there. When did you find out you starting? Uh, yesterday afternoon, um, no, pretty much standard, but um, obviously super 
it's super special to play against uh, your hometown team and um, just wish for a better outcome. What can you, you, you learn? I mean, there were a couple of those. I mean, there was one that bounced off a stick and went over your head. I mean, I, I don't like. There's a couple of those that really didn't seem like they were your fault. What do you have to take from this one? Yeah, I mean, the first two. I mean, the first one I kind of caught an edge, and, um, and the second one they make they make a good play off a turnover, and um, you know, the third one I just missed my post, and Tanny tried uh, to put it back into me for a whistle, and you know what? It's you can get away with that in the American League, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I wasn't super pleased with with the goals in the third, and um, you know, those are those are the times where you need a couple of saves to uh, to get the group some life. But learn from it. That is Dustin Wolf post game after a rough night for him, rough night for the Flames, rough night for everybody in a six three loss to San Jose. Okay, let's get to the text line at nine sixty nine sixty. Then to the phone line, starting from uh, Stafford in Fort McMurray. If anything, Pat, tonight's game just showed how much work Conroy has to do and how much Markstrom means to their success. But, Pat, enough of the power play experiment. 0 for 5 against the second-worst penalty kill. That's not cutting the mustard. How much longer do you let this dead dog lie before you bury it and try something new? This is Savard's mess. Time to fix it. Yeah, they've got to do something with this power play. There is no doubt about it. I thought it came out and looked a little bit better after the Kuzmenko acquisition for one game and now it's right back to not getting the job done uh this says this was without a doubt one of the worst displays of hockey by a series of d-men that i've ever seen in pro hockey i feel badly for wolf as possibly five of the six were as a result of atrocious defensive plays leaving him more than high and dry each of those defensemen should come to him on bended knee begging forgiveness yeah it's also important to point out that a lot of the goals also came on egregious turnovers. It was a rough night for Wolf. It was a rough night for the top six. It was a rough night for a good chunk of the forwards. And, and, and by no means would I say this one lands on any one person's shoulders more than the other, including the goaltender. Leandro says, tough one tonight and a rough game from Wolf. Hope they bounce back. At this point, are you signing off on a Markstrom trade? Well, if it's a good trade and, and it makes sense, absolutely I am. Um, if, if you're going to get huge return, I think it's something that you have to look at, especially with the direction that the Flames are going in. I don't know if Jacob Markstrom is super. In, in fact, I'm, I'm, I, I feel pretty confident when I say that I don't think Jacob Markstrom is a guy who is super dialed on being on a team that is pivoting. And while they are attempting to retool this thing on the fly, they also are probably going to have to take a slight step back at at best for a year or two to get to where they want to go in two or three years. And so if the goal is the 2027 opening of the arena, so the, the fall of 27 and three and a half years from now, if that's the goal as to when they'd like to really start to be primed in this and, and, and ready to come out of this retool and ready to, to start hitting stride in it, well, Jacob's got two years left on his contract and you need to probably take a step back or two just because you're getting younger and putting young players in spots that they're not accustomed to. There's going to be some growing pains and I just don't 
feel very confident that Jacob Markstrom, as good as a teammate as he is, is also going to be super keen to be part of a team that is going through growing pains. And so that's why I don't think anybody is completely surprised to hear that there's a possibility he might be willing to go to a New Jersey team, which is in a different course of their build and is in a different part of their life cycle and so that's why you know when you talk about this stuff um yeah if there's a deal that makes sense and if there's a deal that's going to get you the right return for a player as valuable and as high end as jacob markstrom who's a 34 year old himself i think you need to um i think you need to take a look at it uh, this says a disappointing loss, obviously, but the concerning thing is that Wolf isn't ready for the NHL. His ability to move across the net isn't developed to an NHL standard. He needs more work in the American League. This reads, uh, the Flames show quite a lot of character when playing very good teams. It's not embarrassing, for example, to lose 2 nothing to a very good Rangers team. They have led their division all season, I believe. But it is embarrassing to lose 6-3 to the Sharks, and where was their character tonight on any level? They showed no gumption whatsoever. This just says three, uh, four uh, very simple words. Well, that just happened. Yep, it, it did, unfortunately. Josh says, very disappointed with the game at the Dome. The first was not bad, but the second and third, mess. The Flames could have done a better job to get Wolf uh, win. Very disappointed. Uh, this says, Pat, very ugly but after the first, but nothing uglier than the third goal against, and the power play was junk. Uh, their goalie looked great, but felt like they were soft after the first. Hold the calls on the Markstrom trades as Wolf's limited body of work in the bigs is still questionable. That comes from Claude. Um, Edmonton's, uh, not Edmonton, that's the city that Derek is in. Derek from Edmonton says, on Flamestock earlier today, it was mentioned as maybe not a must-win, but a can't-lose game tonight against San Jose. But here they are again. Before the game, I thought it was great that Wolf was finally getting a game in on one of his call-ups. It was as if he never seemed to look comfortable during a lot of points in the game, though. A big positive that came during the second intermission broadcast was the comments about Oliver starting to open up a little about his experience. Uh, that was a great sign for him and how far he's come to be able to start sharing a little of his story for sure and and whenever he's ready to uh share all of it or if if he is or if he isn't um it's just awesome to see oliver shillington back and playing again that is awesome to see as for wolf um it 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 is true. I, I I didn't feel like he looked super comfortable at any point in this game tonight. That that I think is a really um a, a really fair statement to make. And I think that there's also when you think about it, here's a guy that hasn't played in the NHL in two months. I, I, I think it can be difficult to feel really comfortable in the NHL when you're getting spot starts here and there. And I know that's part of, of the job as the number three goaltender, but I, I also think that that needs to be taken into consideration when we're having these talks as well. Uh, this says, what a different night tonight. The first period was decent, but it felt like they were all dragging a bit, kind of like when you're running with a parachute behind you. Wolf started off okay, but I think he got two in 
in his head uh, after the second goal. His body language changed. There were some weird bounces. There's almost no words, really. There just was no confidence in their game tonight. Why do they always play poorly against teams like that uh, that maybe aren't a slam dunk but should be easier? That's from Kyle in Calgary. I don't know. And Even Ryan Huska uh, attempted to answer that question, but he said, if I knew, I'd tell you. If I knew, I'd tell you the same thing. If I had any idea, I mean, I don't know why this continues to be the pattern that it is, but it remains a pattern. Uh, This says, embarrassing loss. Wolf hasn't looked impressive at the NHL level, and we're all talking about making room for him. I'd be very careful with what you do with the goaltending on this team or things will take a drastic turn. The kid needs to prove it at this level. Doesn't help that the Flames hung him out to dry multiple times. This is the next couple of years. There's a few bright spots, but all in all, uh, we're going to need to get used to this for the next little while. Our buddy Dylan says, I love how people are shocked and appalled that a team that notoriously plays down to their opponents and is playing a rookie goalie is losing against a bottom feeder. Social media has as much foresight as true living. That means no foresight at all. Absolutely none. Pat, do you think they'd put Nemec plus on the table if it was Markstrom and Hannafin with an extension? A first Nemec, Mercer, or Holtz, and Vanacek for Markstrom and Hannafin. No need for Nemec with Siegenthaler, Hamilton, Hughes, and Hannafin all locked up long term that's from Dylan I still think that that feels a little far far fetched and I'm not trying to suggest it's it's not logical but I only say far fetched that New Jersey would put a guy that they they believe Nemec and Hughes are the future of that blue line and that's not a knock on Siegenthaler and Hamilton who are great players but they're older players, and where New Jersey is going, they look at Hughes and Nemec as the future of their blue line, and so I, I just I, I feel like that, I, it feels like it would be difficult and almost impossible to get Nemec out of them. If they could, well, sign, sign me up all day. It's just hard for me to see it happening, but hey, who knows? Uh, this from Clyde says, quite an unfortunate game indeed. Not the most ideal defensive performance. Hoping the guys move on and focus towards Saturday. Of course, Saturday is Detroit here on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, this says, well, can the trade talks for Markstrom please stop now? There should be no question now as who they need is their goalie, Jacob, all the way. There's a reason Wolf has been in the American League for so long. He's too small to be consistent in the NHL. To trade Markey at this point uh, would be ridiculous and stick the team with two mediocre goalies and we all know how hard it is to find that Vesna winner in this league. Trade anyone but Markey. Wolf's size will forever be an issue so why wait to be at the bottom by riding this guy as their one? They trade Markstrom, then they might as well admit to rebuilding until they get the new building and hope they can actually have a contending team. This team is not a playoff winner or a chance to take the cup. As a goalie myself, I really wanted Wolf to be the next big thing, but after tonight, it's obvious he's just not an NHLer. Great American League goalie, but that's where it stops. He won't see another NHL game. That is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that um, Wolf played incredibly tonight, but to suggest he won't play an NHL, another NHL game is silliness. And B, to suggest after what's now seven NHL appearances that this person knows that Wolf is an, or is not an NHL goalie, that's ridiculous. Nobody, nobody knows how this is going to go. And I say that because even the smartest people 
in goaltending have trouble projecting the position because it's really difficult to project. It's the most difficult position in pro sports, if you ask me, to project and have foresight on. And I, I just I don't think that you can sit here through seven NHL appearances and tell me that Dustin Wolf is or is not going to be this or that. There's still a lot that needs to be figured out here, and I think a lot that needs to be determined at the NHL level. The guy's never been able to get into any type of groove being in the NHL, let alone playing in the NHL. Like, we're talking practicing as a backup in the NHL. He's never gotten into any type of groove. It's been like a week or two at most with injury, and I'm not trying to be critical i'm just saying that you can't sit here and make a definitive judgment on a guy with with that type of situation that's all i'm saying um as for the markstrom conversation again i go back to does jacob want to be part of a team that is pivoting going younger and potentially taking a competitive step back and if not taking a big competitive step back not being in a position over the next two years which is what's left on his contract of being able to win a stanley cup what you need to remember about jacob markstrom is that i've never been around a goaltender at this level and this is not a knock on anybody else but who is more clearly driven by winning and winning is the only thing now i didn't cover kipper enough Mika would probably be in that same conversation, but my observational skills weren't as honed in Mika's last few years as a member of the Flames when I was getting on this beat full-time. But when it comes to Markstrom... I, I like full time and and doing this as as closely as I uh, have the privilege of covering the team. I've never seen a goalie who is dialed on winning and winning only like Markstrom and if he's got the option to be somewhere that has a better opportunity to win cups and go deep, yeah, that's going to be desirable. So I just, yes, the Flames have total control because he's under contract, but with an asset like that who maybe isn't as dialed on the immediate direction of the team with two years left on his contract, you must keep that in consideration. That has to be part of the Markstrom conversation. A few more texts. Um, this says, what a terrible game by Wolf. Size is always going to be an issue when trying to cover the blue paint. Wolf should uh, just stay in the AHL or trade him. Um, that seems a little, uh, again, same thing I'd say about the seven NHL experience. Um, this from Brandon and Boness. Here are my thoughts on why they play so poorly against low-standing teams. Flames seem to be very much a mimic team. What I mean is that they mimic their opponent's energy and compete more often than not. They seem to play like a bad team when playing a bad team and when they play against a top team they show way more compete and energy. The Flames look like a cohesive unit when they're being truly challenged. Any thoughts to that? Yeah, I think there's something to it. The mimic team, yeah there's there's definitely something to that. It seems like that has been the case over the last few years. Um, this says uh, at 960, 960, um, that says from Alex, uh, this game was a little bit of a reality check. I don't think this team is as bad as it showed tonight, and Wolf will be a lot better, but Markstrom sure hides some sores. Trade Markstrom for a haul, and I think this team picks between number five and number 10 overall this year 
easily. Okay, great stuff on the text line at 960-960. I've kept you waiting on the phone lines longer than usual. I apologize for that. Let's get there right now. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Uh, as This is your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. 6-3 final. Flames lose to the San Jose Sharks. It's Steinberg along with you as we say hello to Trevor. What's going on, Trevor? Hey, Pat. Uh, it's going good. It, oh, it's just frustrating to cheer for this team for the last 25 years. We're not, I'm not surprised by the loss, really, because that's what they've done for the last 25 years, it feels like. Um, I think it is time to do a full rebuild. Uh, I was on the fence of you know just doing a retool and all that. You know, you're doing a good job getting all the young guys in and giving them time to play. But if Conroy needed a message, it's loud and clear now. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, uh, I, I just, I don't think that's going to happen, though. No, I, I, I don't think it is. But you know, if you, if you want to change the mentality of pl- players don't want to play here, it's Calgary and blah 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 blah. Well, the way to change it is to actually, you know work harder and care about what you do as it for your job. I know it's athletes and you know, they don't treat it as a job per se in that well, aspect. Ma- but, many, many do. Yeah, true. Pro- but, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're Conroy retain salary on, on these three players that you want to trade potentially and get assets, get whatever you can, because you're obviously not a playoff team this year or the next year. From, from that performance because you, sh- you should be able to compete up to and well, he's not clearly, like, like Trev, he's, he's clearly yeah. trying. Like, you don't get yeah. as far down the road uh, on, on a rumored Jacob Markstrom trade if you're not trying. Like, this, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any complacency going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe – Bad, bad choice of words there for myself, but no, I, I'm, uh, I'm just, I don't, I don't think you use the word complacency either. I'm just saying that I, I, I do think that they're like, I, I do think that he's attempting to do some of these things, and and I, I think he is trying to make some some moves here to help drastically alter the way things are are going to go. Yeah, uh, and I'm excited to see where they go, but uh, I hope reality kind of sunk in a little bit to the potential of playoffs. I know we're only a few points out, but if, if you're playing down to your opponent and, and you're not playing the way you need to play for every game in the NHL, that's the what's going to happen to you. And to, yeah, it's it's just kind of disheartening to see it so often. I mean, if, if they want to say they were, they're a playoff team, you got to show it. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. You guys said it around in the long, uh, round table before you had this call. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth around the round table, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's what, what it's been. So uh, just continue on with a great show, and uh, good to get back on. Good to hear from you, Trevor. Have a great night, hey? Yeah, you too. Thank you, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 6-3 loss to San Jose here at the Dome. George is up next. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good. Ooh, well, totally expected, as we said, right, Patty? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's frustrating that 
this one seemed pretty telegraphed and and you know I I kind of you know I I was hoping that what we saw from them on the road trip which I'll be perfectly honest I thought that road trip was the best they've played over a decently extended time in I don't know uh, almost two full seasons if not more and and I was thinking to myself all right here's a really good opportunity for them to to kind of do something they or or do it a little bit differently in that we're very used to them playing down to their opponent in a big spot and they did it again. Yeah. And I agree with everything you said. I really like the road trip, even the, the Ranger game. Like I thought they hung in there. The Rangers were the better team, but uh, I thought, I thought Calgary hung in there. I thought the whole road trip was fantastic and uh, they deserve to be four and one uh, during that period of time, you know, three and three and one during the road trip and then the win beforehand. So that's how it goes. But we're going to talk uh, goalies tonight, Patty. So the first thing is uh, th- that was the worst game I've ever seen Wolf play. And it's unfortunate. And the whole team was awful. Let's get that out of the way right now. But, like, he just didn't have it tonight. And and I think Megan Mickelson said it perfectly. There were times when he didn't utilize his athleticism enough, and he was deep in his net. And when a goalie of that stature is deep in his net, he's, you know, he's pretty easy to score on. So, um, again, by no means am I giving up with on him, but I do think, I know I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I think it depends on the next topic I'm going to talk about, but I, I would like to see him start the next game just to see if he can bounce back. Because the other thing is when you have a game like that and he had a, a game where he allowed a lot of goals the last time he was in, now he sits and he doesn't have NHL games again for a month. And the AHL and the NHL is quite a bit of a, you know, a gap in, in, in levels. So that's what I'd like to see. But it will be interesting to see if he actually gets the next game or not. I, I honestly, I, I can't see it happening. Uh, or, you know, what? I don't want to say that because then I'll sound really dumb if it happens. I'll say this, though. I'll be, I'd be really surprised if it happens. Um, just because they still believe they're in a playoff chase. Like Ryan Huska still believes that the group's in a playoff chase. And I'm not even trying to say like uh, that he shouldn't believe that there's they're five points out of a playoff spot. They're trying to win as many games as they possibly can. They needed to arrest Jacob Markstrom tonight. Um, so they did. But if, if Jacob is still a member of this team, then I, I would be stunned if he doesn't start on Saturday versus Detroit. And that's where I'm going next. Thank you for the segue, my friend. Um, it I don't know, man. Just based on everything I'm seeing online, and, and there was a shot of Markstrom handing out pucks to people during warm-up, and it, I didn't think so like two days ago, but with everything coming out now, it feels like, it feels like it's imminent that he's going to be gone. And I don't know how to feel about that because I look at it from this perspective. I, I wasn't very fond of New Jersey's alleged offer for Markstrom before. So if they have indeed upped the offer, which is Well, hold rumored, on, hold on, hold on. We I, have no idea. We have no idea what their initial offer was. Well, I, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but basically a lot of people have think think it was Holtz in a first. All I've all, all all I've all I've seen from the insiders that and I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be a uh, to, to poo poo anybody else, but I, I haven't heard Elliot or uh, Frank or anybody say anything about that unless I've missed something. 
Okay. I've, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't know if it was either of those two that said it. it may have been Pierre LeBron. But and if way, it was LeBron, yeah, then he I'm, counts I'm too. Like if LeBron said it, then then right. I'll I'll back off on that. Um, I I have heard a few times about Holtz, but like I don't know if we've ever gotten like, hey, this is the actual deal that was on the table, and we probably won't at any point get that uh, unless a deal happens. True. Now I I don't I don't think the deal is as. Um, Dead is maybe it, it felt like it, it might have been a couple of days ago. Feels like there's still some legs to it. And I know there's a lot of buzz going on about it. And, and we'll see what happens uh, between now and, I don't know, the next game they play. Um, I guess I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm not not ready to sit here and, and say that because he was handing out pucks during warm-up that he's done, you know? Yeah, it's just the vibe around the whole thing is kind of, I don't know. But let me ask you this. Do you think Conroy feels pressure to trade Markstrom right now as opposed to waiting until the offseason like we've been talking about? Uh, no, I, I really don't. Okay. I'm just curious because, like I said, New Jersey has come back to the table. I mean, it's that much seems to be confirmed, and, and apparently they've upped their offer. I'm just curious to see if this trade does get made. I'm not opposed to trading Markstrom right now, Patty, but I – I would like to get, like, right right now I think the ball is in our court type thing. Like, I think we have the leverage, when especially when it comes to a team like New Jersey where they it feels like they're really desperate for goaltending right now. So it's well. It's I don't. Think, I mean, look, George. Right? They've they've been they've wanted Markstrom for months. They're, they they've been oh, I know. they've been trying to chase. I guess what I would say is um, just not everything that's being thrown around there on social media is true. I've read a lot of things, and and some of the things I've said, okay, yeah, I mean, from what I understand, that that might be true. But there's a lot of things that that seem wildly conjectured, and so that's that's just mm-hmm. what I'm like, and and. You're, you're coming at me with a lot of those things is all I'm saying. Right. The final question on this topic would be, would you, how opposed would you be to Calgary having to retain salary if they were to trade him to New Jersey? Because not at all. I mean, if, especially think, if you're going to, yeah. especially if you're going to leverage the retention, uh, then I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Now I'm not the one paying the checks though. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I fully believe that Craig Conroy has got the ability to use all three of his retention slots. But I also think that, um, first of all, I think Craig Conroy isn't just going to do that for free. I think Conroy is looking at retention as another way to extract assets from another team. So that's number one. I I do think that he has the ability to use his, from everything that I understand and from everyone I've spoken to, those retention spots are on the table and there's no like restrictions to it. Um, Now it might be different if you're retaining on multiple years. I don't know. But also if you're the GM of a team, you have to use your retention spot. You don't give it away for free. Like that extracts an additional price in a trade, right? Absolutely. And the only thing I don't like about retaining on Markstrom is the fact that it is going to be two more years as opposed to these UFAs. Well, and and, and, and the only thing I would say is, George, why do you care? You're not paying the checks, and the Flames aren't going to be a cap team if they're trading Markstrom in the two years remaining. Yeah, you make a very good point there. Yeah, you're right. And I'm not trying to be flippant when I say, why do you care? It's just like, if they're going to, if if the ability is there and they can get something back, um, 
then why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, you have a point. Absolutely. Final one for you, my friend. I'll let you go. But uh, Greg Connor did an interview yesterday. I, I want to say it was Eric Francis. Where he we didn't do it yesterday. He did it, on the, he did it on the road trip. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. He used the forbidden word, Patty. He used rebuild in the, the, that vernacular. How much heat do you think he got from Murray Edward for saying that? Probably, there is probably some heat, yes. <laughs> I had to poke a little fun there at the end. But either way, whatever Conroy's definition is, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. So far, I do like the direction he's going in. He has stayed true to his word, and man, oh man, it's gonna be this. These next three weeks are gonna be, they're gonna be something. So, gonna be interesting to see, my friend. Uh, hey, man, it was great talking to you tonight. I hope you have a good one. I hope people don't go too hard on you tonight. I know it was a terrible loss, but this, this is this Flames team. You know what I mean? That's it's what it is right now. So, thank you, George. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, man. Have a great night. See you, buddy. Let's say hello to Parsons following a 6-3 loss to San Jose. What's up, Pars? Oh, rough night, eh? Yeah. I don't <laughs> Dude, I, I'll, I'll wake up the same way tomorrow. It's just a talk show. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 that game was pretty embarrassing. Um, you know, we keep talking about playing down to the your competition the last few years, and, you know, I, I – I can't answer what that common denominator is. I don't know if it's players because we've made a lot of changes. So I don't know what that's uh, attributed to, but um, you could almost make, uh, you know, a bet that they were going to lose tonight. So, which is, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty sad. So, I mean, you know, but in the game, the turnovers were horrible. Um, they, they were just completely self-inflicted, and it's a inexcusable all all game. You know, like to me, Pat, there's a lack of leadership by example on that team when things start getting sideways, and I I don't know, you know, what the answer is to that. But uh, feels like the only ones that showed up tonight was the cadre line and uh, Pospisil, especially that that guy's a gamer for sure. Um, I love that player, and same with Kadri and Zari. They, they were both out there. I thought that Backlund line struggled for sure tonight, horribly. Backlund, you got to shoot that puck, man, when you're in front of the net. Um, anyways, uh, everyone struggled. The defense struggled. Mental mistakes all over the place. I, I, I have no idea why it combusted like it did, but uh, it always happens, I guess. Hence the life of a bubble team. But uh, uh, just a, a quick comment on um, the Markstrom thing, because this can, like, Saravelli said he waved. LeBron said today he didn't wave. Um, there's conflicting reports. There are. I know. Uh, so it's super confusing. So I, I, I don't know who to believe at this point. But um, I think I, I – and I, I think – a couple things, because I feel you. First of all, I I think we know that it was down the road. I know that I, I you know I know like we know that it was down the road from from Elliot Friedman's report Saturday that this thing had started. We know it was somewhere. Whether it got to Pat Morris and Jacob Markstrom or not. 
I, I, we don't know because there are conflicting reports. Uh, I know Frank is is very adamant it did get there, um, and I know that uh, there are others who say it didn't. I, I know that there are also different sources that insiders talk to and hear things mm-hmm. from. So I, but. We know it was down the road, right? Like, this wasn't just, hey, do you like Jacob? Uh, yeah, we do. Okay, see you later. Like, this thing, they obviously talked beyond just the way you and I are talking, right? Uh, sure. So that's one thing we know. And the other thing is that because this is out and because the toothpaste is out of the tube, I don't whether it got to him or not. And And by the way... Frank's not the only one that has suggested that Markstrom would have been okay with waving. I, I believe Panyota at the fourth period, uh, who's pretty tied in with some some agents, said that as well. Um, so there have been a few reports that suggested that he'd be okay waving or that he did wave. Some have suggested he has not waved. Regardless, it got down a road where it was either close to him being asked or not. And now there's thoughts that maybe it's it's still on the table. Um I get you that you're like, I don't know who to believe, but I guess the devil isn't so much in the details right now for those of us on the outside, insiders, uh, other reporters, me, you, wh- wh- whoever you want to point to. Um, sure. the, the devil so much isn't in the details as much as it is in the, the big picture that this thing was clearly more than just a, a, a curt tertiary conversation. This was a very serious conversation about a Devils team that I know has been chasing Markstrom since, like, right. November, and the, the most serious conversations yet were had at some point last week. I just, I, I just was hoping for... You know, hopefully this doesn't destroy any kind of relationship with Markstrom um, based on reporting coming out that may or may not be true is, I guess, is where I'm kind of going with that. You know, did he wave? Did he not wave? It's, I mean, that's that's not in Markstrom's control. And, um, you know, that, that comes down to reporting and proper reporting. But, um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, like the devil in the details. It just... Hopefully that doesn't uh, sour things between Marky and and the team, but um, other than I don't that, think I mean, so because okay because if it's not true, well then they say well he knows it's not true, right? That's yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Like, it's not like it's not like it gets say, so say that they didn't go to him and it gets reported that they did go to him. It's not like Jacob's mm-hmm. like. Oh, you convinced me they did come to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, uh, Jacob knows. True. Jacob knows whether or not they asked him to, right? That's true. But you know, at the end of the day, whether any of this is going anywhere, you know, I will say this: is you know, he's 34 today. He will be 36 by the end of contract time, and he's still one year away from us. You know, like opening that arena. You know, he'll be 37 at that point. So I mean. It's not a bad idea for the Flames at this point to be exploring that option for sure, whether it be before the trade deadline or during the off season, because age-wise, he's just he's not going to be part of the future construct of this team by the time that that new arena opens, and um, you know it might be a good idea. Like the Flames have a habit of hanging on to players too long and not getting anything in return for him. 
and I could have a laundry list for you of that. But, um, you know, I, I felt bad for Wolf tonight. Um, you know, while the turnover didn't obviously help, uh, he definitely looked small in the net tonight. Uh, I kind of felt for the guy to because he hasn't had a good run so far. I'm not giving up on the guy, though. He's he's technically sound. Um, he just needs more reps in the NHL. I think that's all it is. And people shoot harder. They, you know, in the NHL, they're quicker, they're, more they're, bigger, they're faster, more accurate. Um, he's got to play outside that blue paint a little bit more, and he just needs reps. That's all it is. So I'm not giving up on And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I agree with George. I, I hope they, they give him the next start. I know it's probably not going to happen, but I, I'd love to see the guy redeem himself because the one thing he kept saying in his interview was, you know, and this is a win, winner's mentality, Pat, is he kept saying that I have an opportunity to learn from this. He he said opportunity like several times, and that's a sign of a guy with a good head on his shoulders, and he knows that it wasn't his night, but he has an opportunity to learn. So that's a winner's mentality, and I like that from the kid. Well, that the one really thing good. the one thing that you can always be certain of when it comes to Dustin is that there's. There's no worries with his um, mental preparation, his mental yeah. approach. Like that guy is dialed, and and I do think, yeah. Do I think he's going to be really frustrated and and upset about it for tonight? Yeah. And I think when he's back at the rink, whether he's a Wrangler tomorrow or whether he's a Flame tomorrow, I think it'll be flushed in behind him. Um, you talk to you talk to people who know this guy well and who have been around him. Like this guy is as good as anyone of you know the the mental approach that is so crucial at being a goaltender for sure yeah i think he's got that mental mindset too you can just tell with some people but two quick things uh coleman uh, i don't know what's happening with him man he's trading goals for penalties and um sharon govich what have you made of this game so far since being switched to center because i feel like we've lost an elite scorer um since he's been kind of moved to the center position um, yeah, I know it's going to take some time, obviously, but I feel like we've lost a lethal weapon, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't know what the solution is because who do you replace them with? I, I think, well, right now, nobody, um, because I don't think you want to do it with Zary either. Cause I think you have that same worry. Right. Um, right. and yeah, I'm with you. I think that he. I, I think that positionally, defensively, he's been fine, but it has taken away from the offensive punch that he gives you. And I don't know if it's been replaced consistently enough by Kuzmenko yet. So uh, I'd like to see it a little while longer. Um, but yeah, I've I've noticed the same things you have, Pars. I have. I got. We got a roll here, but uh, I appreciate the call as always, buddy. Thanks, man. Anytime. Thank you. Be well, buddy. Um, let's say hello to uh, one more call before we go back inside the Flames locker room. We'll hear from Mackenzie Weger in just a few minutes. But right now, let's say hello to Anand following a 6-3 loss. What's up, buddy? Good evening, buddy. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Yeah, tough game tonight, definitely. And not what I expected. 
Uh, especially I had the confidence coming from a great road trip into this home game. Uh, I had a lot of confidence. Probably Flames will win tonight, but that uh, didn't happen the way. I like how they started, though. Uh, got the lead in the first period. Nazim Kadri, uh, he looks fantastic. And you mentioned it as well that uh, Kadri, uh, Zari and Pasfusil line looks great. Uh, Pasfusil has been doing amazing. Yeah, another thought, uh, what Parsons was selling right now. Uh, yeah, I'm not liking so much of Sharangovich uh, being in the center right now. Maybe he needs his wing position back. Maybe they can get him back. Um, but yeah, but Anna, are, and there's not really any yeah. other options right now, right? Like, yeah. The, I, I think I get it, but why not? Why not? Like, it's only been five games, right? You know, like I, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see that go on a little while longer before I can personally, especially because it has the potential to be a long-term experiment. I, I'd like to see it tested for more than five games before you try to go away from it. That, that, that's just me. I get it. Like I'm observing yeah. the same things you are. I'm observing the same things Parsons is for sure. I just wonder myself, like, could you make it go a little while longer? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, fair enough. And one other question I had for you is, would you, uh, do you foresee any players that we are not talking about? So that would be Tanev Hannafin and Marshall. Apart from that, do you see anybody else getting traded by the trade deadline? Any guesses or anything? Well, I don't want to guess. Uh, we're already too much down the like, you know. And I don't want to. I don't want to take a shot at George because I'm not trying to. But there's, you know, George is coming at me. Well, this is how, and it's a lot of Twitter speculation. And I just, uh, if we're doing a show, like it's it's got to be concrete. And so we're already in speculationville right now. And and yeah. I don't want to throw another name out there because I've got a couple on my mind. I've I've heard uh, I've I've heard one or two things that are interesting. But like right now is not the time. Um, I. I I think right now Markstrom is right there in everybody's right in the front of everybody's mind. So you've got Markstrom, you've got Hannafin, you got Tanev. Let's see these ones get figured out before I start, you know, guessing or throwing any other names out there. You know, these are the front burner ones right now and so I'm I'm not loving Speculationville tonight. So I don't want to I don't want to then go and add to Speculationville. Yeah. Gotcha, okay, fair enough. And yeah, I just wanted to say one other point. Yeah, Dustin Wolf, um, I would like to see him maybe get a couple of more games, if possible, like a steady run so that he can get used to the NHL style of playing. I think these uh, breaks are giving him like a unfocus on shifts, so maybe we can try that if possible. Right now, again, I think Vladar is close to maybe returning, right? I think he can get uh, activated off injury reserve tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah, like he's he'll if he'll if he's ready, he'll be able to back up on on Saturday. All right, gotcha. All right, thanks, Pat, so much for the chat. Uh, once again, another Saturday afternoon game, so I won't be able to call in on Saturday. So maybe, hopefully, during family day weekend, uh, if I'm not able to call, have a great weekend, have a great long weekend, and talk to you soon. You too, pal, and uh, see if you can sneak a text, and we'll make sure we read it as always. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. We'll do. Have a Thanks, good one. Thanks, Anand. See you, buddy. Um, phone lines 403-240-4444. If you're on hold, stay there. If not, you can get your phone calls in following a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks. There's a lot uh, There's a lot percolating on this uh, Thursday night, no doubt about it. Text line 960-960. It's Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk postgame show. Um, 
the Flames come away with a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks. It was ugly. There's a lot of trade buzz going on right now. Uh, I get it. Everybody wants to talk about these things right now, and that's what we're here for. Uh, text lines 960-960. Phone lines 403-240-4444. It's uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's where you can get us on Flames Talk. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Check in with Mackenzie Weger. His thoughts post game tonight. Mackenzie, maybe just your overall assessment of this game and where it uh, went wrong. Uh, disappointing for sure. I thought, uh, you know, the first period we came out, played well. You know, we were hunting the puck. Forechuck was great. D were involved, back checking hard. And then I thought in the second period, that's where things went wrong. And I thought um, we expected it to be an easy game. Is that maybe as simple as you can put it? You expect it to be an easy game? Is that kind of the trickle down of it all? Yeah, well, that's what it looked like to me. Um, that's his. That's the explanation that I can give. Uh, disappointing, and, and I thought we thought it was going to be an easy game, and then um, then we just got outworked and outcompeted, and you know that's not normally like us. My kids, like, why is it that we, we talk about this group not playing to these opponents that are lower than mm-hmm. you in the standings, Chicago, San Jose? Like, why has that been a theme not coming out emotionally engaged for these groups? Oh yeah, I'm not sure. Um, that's all, you know, focus and preparation before the game. Um, you know, it's the you know you, we play the Vegas, the Colorados, um, you know the top teams. We play them hard, Boston's, and um, you know I don't know why we don't have that same mindset for these teams. It's the NHL. Um, you know, no game is easy. Um, doesn't matter who the other opponent is. Um, but that's you know we got to figure that out for sure. We're we're losing some valuable points. Uh, not not being emotionally engaged. Is this a really haven't figured out? Given that this is a trend that dated back to last season. Yeah, I mean that's just on us. Um, you know. There's, there's obviously a hand, handful of guys that are, are competing and uh, you know leading the way, but we need everybody. Uh, you can't get frustrated. You can't get down on yourself. Um, you know, I think that's when you know the older guys can step up and you know pick a teammate up. You know, myself included. Um, you know, I can do more out there. You know, build the energy, uh, create something to you know get the momentum back for us. I think that's key, and um, you know we need to find those you know those energy bunnies and uh, in times like that. How would you explain the defensive turnovers, especially in the second period, that led to goals against? Yeah, just not playing hard, you know, hard with the puck, um, not executing, um, you know, trying to force plays that aren't there when you can just make the simple play. Yeah, that kind of led to the downfall as well. Um, you know, making plays that weren't there, thinking it was going to be an easy game. Um, you know, that starts on the back end with myself included. Um, you know, got to be better for sure. Is there anything to the first home game back from a road trip, or is that just an excuse? Yeah, that's just an excuse. There you go. Mackenzie Weger post game following tonight's 6-3 loss to San Jose. It's Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk post game show. It's time to select tonight's player with heart brought to you by Heart Fit Clinic. Going to go Connor Zeri on this one tonight. Thought Zeri had himself a really strong 17 minutes and 55 seconds as he continues to be in the Calder Trophy conversation. Uh, four shots on net, six attempts. All six of Zeri's attempts were scoring chances. Four of them were high dangers. Zeri, Pospisil, Kadri, the only line that had any jump uh, any jump all night for the Flames uh, are going to go Connor Zeri as tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. Whole like they they had played this really good stretch on the road, uh, four games on the road where you're like, man, they look good. And there's all this talk about good vibes and the team's playing well and all these types of things. 
and all everything that we talk about is prefaced with well, we'll see where they go, or we'll see what direction they decide to choose with UFA 1 or 2, or if Markstrom is here. Like, there's all of this trade talk that is hanging over everything right now and all this trade speculation, and I know that as the media, we're, we're as culpable for um, stirring the pot as anybody. I'm not even trying to sit here and, like, there's no victims or anything like that. It's just bizarre that, like, you can't have a conversation right now without talking about okay, yeah, yeah, they play, but, you know, I don't know what they're going to look like after March 8th because we don't know who's going to be here after March 8th. And, you know, tonight was a night that hurt them in the playoff race, no doubt about it. They fall back down to five back of a playoff spot. Uh, St. Louis wins, L.A. wins, Nashville did lose, but Seattle wins. Anybody who rode off Minnesota, the Wild are still hanging in this thing. So I guess the whole point is you're like, they are in a playoff chase and they're in a playoff race. But with all this trade talk, it takes away from or or it overshadows any of that for so many people, and and understandably so. That's not even a criticism. It is what it is. I get it. Anyway, it's our uh, Flames Talk post-game show. Steinberg's along with you here. Um, 960-960 on the text line. Phone lines at 403-240-4444. You always know how to get a hold of us here. And you always know that Flames Talk post-game is on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the phone lines, back to the text line in a second. But right now, here's Jonathan Huberdo. Final look inside the Flames locker room following tonight's 6-3 loss to San Jose. How did you see this one, Jonathan? And, you know, you just hear McKenzie say, um, we thought it was going to be an easy game. Did you see it that way uh, as a group? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, probably never going to say that before the game. But, you know, the way we showed up uh, kind of felt like that. So I think it's uh, especially in front of our fans. And, you know, we just did, didn't compete. And, you know, they, they took it to us. Why, how do you make those in-game adjustments as far as this group to try to pick one another up and try and find that extra gear when you know it's kind of getting away on you and the team you probably feel you need to be competitive with? Yeah, usually we do. They got nothing to lose and they came in, you know, they they played they played a good game, but I think we, we weren't there. And usually, you know, we can have some bad moment in the game, but I think we, we pick it up and we just didn't do it tonight. What did you see on the power play? You you got back within one, you had another power play to start the third there and still just couldn't get anything going. What did you see on yeah, that? Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, we have to come out with more execution, you know, work harder out there because, like you said, a big goal by backs at the end of second, you know, take us within one and, you know, big part play and early in the third. And we didn't make it. And then after the, they scored, you know, a couple bounces. And on the part play, we got to be better. I like you guys were in control until they scored. Do you have any idea why that seemed to just sort of open the floodgates a little bit? Uh, I mean, you know, I think we, I wish we knew. I mean, we, we just, you know, kind of came out flat. And you know, I thought the first period wasn't bad, but after, like you said, I think the you know they scored two quick goal and kind of can just show the emotional bench, and it just can't happen. So. Why is it that dating back to last season, Jonathan, this group has you know, lost to the Chicago's and San Jose's so frequently? Teams that are well beneath you in the standings. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you know, Weezy said it. You think it's going to be easier than other games, and it's not. I mean, at the end of the day, 
you know, they're, they're still a good team during the NHL. You know, they, they they came out, they had a bad start, but they, you know, they can play. And I think, you know, they, they, they worked hard tonight and we just weren't ready to play. Does that mean you guys have to take games more seriously, like like professionals and like that? You yeah, I mean, we do, but I mean, sometimes it's just going to be flat, you know, came back from that road trip. And we just got to, you know, we had two days to regroup and, you know, get come out better. And I think we're just gonna, you know, come back. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to put that behind us. We have a big stretch at home, so we got to take advantage of that. How much do you guys discuss your approach against those teams, like a Chicago or a Columbus or a San Jose? I mean, I think it's yeah. I think it's not X's and O's. I think at the end of the day, it's work and compete, and we just got to. It's, it's the players that has to to be be ready to play and get ready. And I think you know that's an issue we're gonna have to 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 work on. There you go. That is Jonathan Huberdeau post-game following a 6-3 loss to the San Jose Sharks. It's Steinberg along with you as our Flames Talk post-game show continues. Let's uh, look ahead before we get back to the text line and the phone lines, 960-960 and at 403-240-4444. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, Answer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up is Saturday when the Flames take on the Detroit Red Wings. Second and final meeting between the Flames and Red Wings this year. Of course, Detroit took a 6-2 win against Calgary back on October 22nd at Little Caesars Arena. Overall, Red Wings have won the last three head-to-head meetings between them and the Flames. Uh, so that is on Saturday. Red Wings at 2 o'clock for a Saturday afternoon game, which means we're on the air at 1 o'clock with your Flames warm-up. It'll be on Sportsnet 1 on television. Then another matinee game Monday. So Saturday, 2 o'clock. Monday against Winnipeg, 2 o'clock on Family Day. And then it's a uh, 7 p.m. game Thursday to wrap up this homestand a week from this Thursday. Uh, a week from tonight, rather, which is a Thursday. Um, and that is against the Boston Bruins. And that is a 7 o'clock face-off. There you go. That is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Com. Okay, back to the text line. We go at 960-960. Um, what do we got here at, on the text line? Because there is lots to um, lots to get to. Uh, this says, what is your read on the Markey situation with New Jersey still bubbling or what? That comes from Dave. I don't think it's completely um, I, I don't think it's completely on the ashes at this point. I still think uh, I, I, I still think that there is a chance for this to be revisited. Just some of the things that um, we've been hearing. Some of the few people that I've spoken to here. I, I think that that's got a chance to be well. I I, I think it probably. I, I believe Pierre LeBrun reported that it it is not dead as well, and that it has been revisited. And just a couple of people that I've spoken to that you know I'm I'm you know I I, I trust and have pretty good confidence in also suggesting that you know maybe it's not completely dead but I I don't know I can't give you a read on exactly where it stands right now um this says New Jersey scouts were reported by to be in the crowd tonight who might they be interested in being that Markstrom didn't play tonight well when you make those travel plans, if if they were looking to look at Markstrom tonight, um, which I have no idea, 
Scout guessing is a fool's errand many times, but I do know that one raised a lot of eyebrows, especially because there was a a goaltending development um, scout in attendance for the game tonight. Uh, But you don't know who's starting until morning and you're already in the city, right? So um, they they could have been here for many different reasons. Um, This says, I fully realize it's a very small sample size, but has Wolf been disappointing at the NHL level so far? Yeah, I mean, it has not been an an incredible year for him between the pipes. There's no doubt about it. I mean, tonight he allowed six on 30. Um, That's that's not going to get it done for him. That's not going to be what is, if if that's the average at the NHL level, well, then it's it's not going to work out very well. I still, though... A couple of things. First of all, I'm still very confident in Dustin Wolf and what he, what they have here as a prospect, despite it hasn't been incredible so far this year. You know, for a lot of goalies early on, especially in these circumstances, you're not looking at incredible results. And that's the second part. The circumstances are still, I think, relevant in that he's played in six NHL games and he has started five this season. And they've been stunted and here and there. Like That's a tough thing to do on top of the, you know, all the things about how it's difficult for young goalies. We're talking about a 22-year-old. There's that. And, and we know the size, right? But even forgetting any of that, I think it'd be tough for a lot of goalies to play an NHL game and then sit for a few games in the NHL, then go back to the American League, then get called up, play again. I think that's been a difficult thing for him as well, and and especially because it hasn't been a planned thing either. You know, when we were talking in the off season about you know maybe you can plan and give him some spot starts. That's a little bit different too, because at least there can be a little bit more in terms of um, a plan and a and a blueprint there. Whereas here, um, it, it's all kind of happening because of injury. Because so it's it's a lot of um, yeah, um, it's just a lot of I don't know. Uh, trying to think of the right word. Sorry, I got distracted by something. The person who texted me knows that they distracted me, and and I love that person very much. Um, But yeah, I, I... I just think that there's it, it can be difficult sometimes to play in those circumstances when you don't have that plan. It's very stunted, and so I think that's part of it too. Um... I still think that there's a lot there when it comes to Dustin Wolf. I really do. I still have very high hopes. I'm not shaken confidence-wise, because I, I know how prospect goaltenders can develop sometimes, but I also can't sit here and tell you that his five starts this season have been incredible. So, you know, two things can be true at the same time. Uh, this from Pav, who says, Great job as usual, Pat. Uh, thank you for being honest and a smart analyst. Two words on the Flames tonight, poo-poo. That's why I was laughing at that text. Um, Jesse says, for all the haters saying Wolf is too small, I say Dominic Hasek, six foot one, 166 pounds, one of the most dominant goalies ever. This isn't the first or last game the Flames have mailed in. The difference is they mailed it in with the expectation that Markstrom would bail them out, and not everyone can be a Vesna goalie in their seventh game ever. Uh, this from uh, Ramian Cochran, who says, Wolf needs to play way more. He's an NHL goalie who hasn't got his chance to shine. He's traded like a third backup when he needs time to play. They aren't a cup team this year, so what's the harm in playing the kid and getting him some practice? Trade Vladar and let the kid get comfortable under Markstrom as a mentor. Uh, this from 40 in Fort Sask, who says, Team possibly knows what's coming with regards to a Markstrom trade. Big distraction tonight. We'll see what happens tomorrow. We will indeed. Um, this says... Um 
Pat, I'd like to hear your ranking of the forward lines, looking at expectations of them versus how they played. I liked the Kadri line at the start, didn't like them in the second half. The fourth line did more damage than help. Backland line was effective. Top line fairly inconsequential. That's from Connor and Brayside. I probably still would go the, the Kadri line one in this game. Um, then the Backland line would be the two, and then the other ones probably three and four in some order. Um yeah, that's how I would do it. Um, this from Dale and Drumheller uh, says, Wolf didn't expect to play today, hey? Couple that with Markstrom taking a couple extra minutes at the end of warm-ups to hand out pucks, which sure resembled a final goodbye lap, and it seems like there's lots of signs to a trade coming imminently. Maybe the only reason that it hasn't gone through already is so they didn't have to dress an e-bug tonight. Well, yeah, I mean... I. With Vladar on IR, who knows? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I do. I think that Markstrom flipping pucks in in warm up um, as a backup could be read into. Sure. Do I think that it could not be read into? Sure. Let's uh, let's see where this thing goes. I am curious though. I, I I've I've wondered since the report came out on Saturday if we were kind of in the pocket of the last stretch of Markstrom as a member of the Flames. I won't lie about that. Whether this was the last game or not, I don't know. If he's still here, though, I bet you he's starting on Saturday. I'll say that much. Um... This from Josh, who says, Wolf isn't ready yet. Markstrom understudy for a couple years yet. Maybe. Uh, Jennifer says, I just don't get it. The boys have been playing so well together, and tonight they just fell apart. It was like they were back in a peewee hockey. I think perhaps they need a real good pep talk, and they need to start playing like a team rather than worrying about who's trading and all, who's getting traded and all of that. They're playing a game and should all play to their full potential no matter what. All the politics need to be put out of their minds when on the ice. Pretty disappointing, really, but I have complete faith they will pull together and be the flames we're all rooting for. Um, this says, Pat, at what point do they pull the Band-Aid off this team, trade Marky Tanev and Hannafin, and let the dive fall where they may? Don't want to be a muddy middle team anymore. Go Flames, go. Uh, Ash says, being only five foot seven myself, I tend to root for the smaller guys. Having said that, uh, Megan is correct, and Wolf looking small in net, especially on the final two shark goals. What are your thoughts on the Flames putting a waiver claim in for Matthew Phillips? I'm kind of, like, sure. I don't think it's something they have to do, but why not would also be what I would say. Uh, This reads, evening, Pat. Tough one tonight. Boggles the mind how they play against the elite teams compared to the bottom of the barrel teams. This team's dream of making the playoffs is fading. With the trade deadline 21 sleeps away, do you feel anyone outside the main three is in the trade wins? Markstrom, Tanev, and and Hannafin. Uh, Anybody on top of that? I have a gut feeling Manjapani could also be on the move, move rather, in a separate or part of a package. That comes from Sam. Um, again, I don't want to throw names out necessarily. You asked about Manchapani, though. Um, I don't think that would be a complete shock if that were to happen, honestly. Um, again, I'm, I'm not saying that they are that, that's something that I am thinking about um, imminently or anything like that, or that would be on the front burner in my head, but it is something that I have wondered about. Um, it, it is something that uh, wouldn't necessarily be a massive surprise to me. Um 
This says, terrible performance by the Flames. Stop the excuses. Wolf was brutal. Hopefully popped his bubble. Uh, This from Scotty and Victoria. Wild path, that was bad. Too many giveaways and mistakes in a must-win game. Tail as old as time. Lose against bad teams. Win against good ones. I think it's clear that Wolf isn't quite ready, although the team in front of him was less than stellar. Blackwood was also unreal tonight. St. Louis, Seattle, and L.A. all won. Not a good look at this point of the season after an amazing road trip. Pat, do you think it's worth selling Markstrom high before the deadline or hold on to him in hopes of squeezing out an unlikely wild card spot? I think if you're going to be trading um, Jacob Markstrom, it has to be for a damn good return. And if New Jersey's going to give you that return and and he's willing to go, then I think that you make the trade. I don't think you trade him for the sake of trading him, but I think if you can extract a price for a guy who's playing like he is, then I do think you should do it. Um, Joel and Cranston says, the problem with a performance like this is there are no repercussions. Nobody gets benched. Nobody goes to the press box. It's just same old, same old. It's time for someone's head to roll or nothing will ever change. Get the trades done so we can move on and stop predicting the future. Uh, this from Corey, who says, without elite NHL goaltending, the Flames would be getting a top three or four pick this year. If Markstrom does get traded, get ready for a losing culture to take hold. Markstrom's covered up way too much for a horrible dis- defensive structure this year. Three of the top four D give the Sharks goals because they're too used to Marky covering up for their blunders. I can't believe how much this team turns the puck over. Um... This reads, I think you guys have made a good point. They're human beings at the, and at the end of the day. For myself, I'm a software developer working for an engineering company. If there's noise in the background, such as firings, hirings, other company talks, even if it doesn't directly affect my performance, it'll still be affected. Uh, sorry, even if it doesn't directly affect me, my performance will be affected regardless, and I'll make more mistakes. Yes, they got to play better, but at the end of the day, we can all relate that external factors will always affect the quality of our career. That I agree with 100%. Um, This says, team looked ready to play but just didn't have it after one period. Let's use the first game back after a road trip as an excuse. Uh, Come playoffs, there are no excuses for travel. Give Pospisil a medal tonight. He was the only involved player. As usual, the power play was a disgrace. It's painful to watch. I thought Savard was a specialist. It's also clear Wolf isn't ready for prime time, not just because of his performance. Tonight, I hope LaBarbera's mentoring him. His body language spoke volumes tonight. He was really struggling. I felt bad for him. They play better on the road. The team actually looked like they were having fun on that last trip. I think the trade rumors must be taking their toll. I think we'll now see some moves by Conroy. Tonight's performance warrants it a terrible hockey game. Um... What else we got here at 960, 960? Just a few more. This says, uh, welcome to the NHL, Wolfie. Enough said. Uh, with all the seriousness, though, though, if they let Markstrom go, they should be able to compete for the first overall pick over the next couple of seasons. Shouldn't be a problem with Wolf and Net. Just imagine what McDavid would do if he had so much empty space to shoot at. It might not be a bad idea for the Flames in the long run to have higher picks in a draft, but my, in my opinion, I don't think Wolf is the answer. Uh, Brian and and Pitt Meadows says, if this isn't it, what is? There wasn't one person in the province of Alberta thinking, hey, we're going to win one. Come on, everyone knew this was going to happen. Does the fact the Flames take down the best teams um, give the Flames 
and Flames management a sense of they just have to get in. Uh, thoughts, Pat, be honest this time. That comes from Brian and Pitt Meadows. Well, honestly, I think the Flames know what they are. Yes, they've played well against good teams, but they also have games like this. I think Craig Conroy and the Flames know what they are at this point. They're not a contender. They know that, I believe. They are a team that could make the playoffs, I guess, but they're not a contender right now. And I think that much is true. True. Um, this says, really wasn't a great game for sure, but one positive. How about the hands on Zeri? Wish that would have went in because it would have been the highlight of the night for a while. Hits it out of the air three times, almost scoring, not letting the puck hit the ice and puts it back over the net into the crease. So close. Yeah, I saw that too and said, geez, if he does that, that is impressive. Uh, there you go. Great stuff on the text line at 960, 960. It is one of those nights where there's lots of texts. It's one of those nights where there's lots of phone calls as well. Let's get back. Back to the phone lines as the Flames uh, fall 6-3 to the San Jose Sharks. It's your Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Weston is up next. What's up, Weston? Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah, I went to the game today, and uh, you know, it was good to go, besides the lost part. Uh, no, I just had a uh, long-time caller, uh, you know, Flames fan forever. Uh, had the feeling prior because, you know, come from the road trip, of course, the road trip that we had, and then coming home, of course, and then playing, you know, bottom, bottom team. Um, I guess my, you know, it's easy to ask this question now, but I went to the bathroom at the game and I was thinking, well, I wonder if they would have put Markstrom in, what would a, a difference would have made? Yeah. And probably not much. Like, because, okay, so Dustin Wolf's played, what, five, six games? And less than ever, all the callers tonight, it's, uh, anyways, I'm a goalie too, but uh, I don't think, there's so much talk about this goalie situation, and it's just driving me nuts. Like, well, one, we shouldn't trade Mark Server now unless it doesn't make sense, because how is his value going to change from now to the summer? If anything, it's going to be more in the summer, I think. Um, and everyone kind of pull and shoot on Dustin Wolf because he didn't have a good game. Well, yeah, clearly. Well, one out of five games, that's 20% in my mind from what I've seen. Um, he was put in a tough situation. Yeah, he didn't show up tonight. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's not ready. But we need that leadership of Markstrom to coach him. If he's willing to do that, I mean that's up to Markstrom's decision. But I don't know what do you, what do you think would have happened if? Do you think we should have put Markstrom in tonight, regardless of our standings and stuff like that? No, I I actually didn't. I got no problem with the. I, I thought it was actually a a, a good cult to to not. Okay. You can't play Markstrom every night. So no, of course take, not. And let's 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 take the trade stuff out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah, no, yeah. from a, from a, like forgetting the trade stuff for a second, which I know is hard to sure. do. I grant you that, but I think it was the right call. A... I think it was the right think... call to to play the backup, and the yeah. backup is and, Dustin Wolf right now. And of course, you know we would have that conversation saying, "Oh, well, you know, if Dustin Wolf had a good game, then we'd say, oh, that was a great decision, right, by the coach, or you know, and whatnot.' But yeah, um, I guess it's. You know, just because it's kind of history in the, in some ways. Like, we lost to Chicago this year, 
that was a horrible game or long game because there was only like a two-one game or whatever it was not long ago. Um, but I guess uh, like it's just a common commonality that we stoop to lower teams' mentality and. If anything, I always think of Columbus for some reason, especially when Rick Nash was playing there. I don't know. It's just, uh, unfortunately, I think it's a culture, but I think Craig Conroy's doing something different in regards to he experienced too, um, that we're not going to take if the Markstrom trade with New Jersey and all that. It's all speculation, one. But if it didn't make sense, it didn't make sense because, well, what happened with the Ginla and so many other trades? We well, got nothing. Weston, I, I don't – I, like, I, yeah. I mean – it's, it's not comparable, but you know what I kind of mean. I guess it's, it's it's all it's all speculation in that. Yeah. Okay, but also like Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli and Pierre LeBrun and like you know, the, the, these guys are are hooked in humans. Um, so they totally. don't and they don't they don't they don't just throw stuff against the wall to see if it sticks. Like Elliot doesn't right. go on Saturday night and say that they were serious. So so without him knowing, and there's repercussions. Of course, people are going to back that up and say, well. Where's your facts or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and so the, when we're talking about guys that get these things right, um, it, it's more than just speculation. You know, the the yeah. the reason why it didn't happen that speculation, what might be in the trade or what might have been in the trade that speculation, but the fact that they had conversations and they got down the road on it, True. that's yeah. I don't think that is speculation. There was there was some sort of deal that was being discussed in in a serious manner between the Flames and Devils that included Jacob Markstrom. That much is Absolutely. just, you can't dispute that. And when you say, okay, like, like I'm born and raised him from Calgary um, and seeing through, you know, been a Flames fan forever. Uh, but through the times of, you know, of our history and whatnot, um, oh, geez, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. It's all good. No, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it, it just see, or like I guess like with Craig Conroy, like you know, like how long was he assistant GM with uh, True Living? Like what, four years or? Well, like no, the entire years? time, the entire like yeah, nine years, okay. nine years. So, like, oh, okay. So, wouldn't you say that we have in in some way the guns because we have these guys that you know, like, I just find that, or there's a reason why Conroy didn't pull the pl- or uh, make the trade, or if it was Markstrom's call too. I don't, and Weston. I don't or, know. Or I, we don't. No, nobody no, no, knows. No. Nobody knows why it got why it got exactly. Scared. We don't but know. I, I think I think it's a good thing that it didn't happen because if there's any, what happened with the Lindholm trade, which was I think was a great win on our end of getting five. You know, or you know, couple prospects getting Kuzmenko, uh, blah blah blah. We, I think we, or it was even keel. You could say we won on value, if you want to say. Hopefully, in the future, we'll find out. But I just find that Craig Conroy is not going to take what he's seen in the past from management too, and get what we can get instead of. Um, 
holding our ground and knowing our value. I do, like and, 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 what, and Weston, we got to wrap up. I appreciate the yeah. call tonight, man, um, yeah. and, and good stuff. I do, think, I do think what you're saying, Weston, is accurate in that I, I do think that Craig Conroy has, has been very adamant in holding his ground here, and he's got a price that he's looking for for these guys, and he's not at this point. Now, there is a deadline coming up in three weeks, but right now he is setting his price, and he's going to wait for that price until he makes a deal. And I, I think there's, and I think that's the same for Markstrom as it is for Hannafin as it is for Tanev and more. I, I really do believe that. So, and and I, I I think that's the way you have to do it for a lot of different reasons. But especially when you're a rookie GM and you've got other GMs who are trying to push you around, I think you got to go out of your way to to dig your heels in on what you believe your players are worth if you're going to move them. Let's say hello to Evan tonight. What's up, Evan? Steins, what's going on? What's going on, buddy? Long time, first time. Well, now you're lying. Well, long time's true. It's been a long time. I was uh, overseas in Greece for uh, about six months. So. Oh, nice. Recently came back, and uh, I'm uh, watching hockey like this. The same. Yeah, I was back. doing. I was doing well over there. You know what I mean? Watching soccer, eating lamb, a lot of wine, good fish, little Formula One. And come back uh, winter and the same the same garbage with uh with my beloved hockey team. Yeah, welcome home. Uh lovely, lovely. Uh listen, I wanted to uh kind of brush on some of the comments that were made earlier regarding Dustin Wolf and him not being uh you know an NHL quality goaltender and blah 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 blah. It's one of those type of things where you really need to everyone needs to kind of pump the brakes and make sure that they're being open and honest and just give them an opportunity here to build up his game and look no further than what happened with Jacob Markstrom when he first got into the league. Sometimes people forget he was kind of almost a throw-in to the Vancouver Canucks in the Roberto Luongo trade trade like ten years ago. Yep, you know what I mean. He was not. He was a big goaltender, you know, from Sweden. I think he was a second-round pick, if I recall correctly. Second or third? Panning out. I believe yeah. you're right, though. I believe he was, was a second-round pick. It was a high second, too. Yeah, 31st overall. Yep. Yeah, and he uh, he found his game and then became a very good goaltender in, in, in Vancouver. And then, um, with the exception of last year, has been a very good goal, goaltender here. Uh, and so, you know, six, seven starts for Dustin Wolf. Doesn't have the size advantage, obviously. But um, looking no further than you know his uh, his goaltending partner here, everyone just needs to be calm, be calm, collective, etc., and just give him an opportunity here to to learn the game and have his confidence, uh, work with you know an NHL, uh, uh, the big club, goaltending coach, etc. So I'm not saying fair. he's he's going to yep. be fantastic. I just I you know what I mean we can't everyone's writing him off over here off a handful of starts, and it's not right. Yep. What uh, I wanted to pick your brain. What What do you think is going on with the power play? I mean, I haven't watched a lot of hockey this season just because I was overseas. But you know, Mark Savard and the PP. What do you think is going on? They don't have the same firepower as as they have, they've had in previous years, but it just doesn't seem to be working at all. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I mean, I think the firepower is the the 
that's the first thing that I would say is that, you know, personnel-wise, they don't have any elite players. Um, so I think that is a big part of it. That would be one. But beyond that, I think that this is um, – I, I do think there are some, you know, some systematic issues that still aren't working. Um, the, it, it still doesn't look consistently dangerous. Um yeah, I, I I don't I don't know why it's been this poor. Um, I do think that they're uh, I think they they probably need to continue to um, look at things and and the way like the 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 X's and O's. I think there there needs to continue to be a deep dive on that. I really believe that. But I also think part of it is you're also looking at a power play. Like I don't think even if. X's and O's are perfect that we're talking about a top 10 power play for this team. They just, they don't have the po- the personnel in my mind to have a top 10 power play. Uh, listen, yeah, it's just the way, just sometimes the way it goes, right? But I also uh, but think yeah, that they, I, I also think they're, they, they need to really continue to hone in some other things because it, it, it isn't just a personnel thing right now. Uh, next thing is I was kind of uh, scanning some of the headlines here, and what do you think about a Matthew Phillips for the Wranglers if we're going to potentially be going down the the? Well, the problem is then he would have to go back on waivers to go there. Okay. Okay. Oh yes, because because yeah, uh, his first year part of the deal was a was a uh, an NHL only deal, right? Yeah. One way deal. It's yeah. kind of a two-year contract. Well, yeah, okay. So well, it doesn't, but it doesn't even matter. He's waiver of one way, two way doesn't matter. Like he's waiver eligible. Okay. Okay. Uh, so if they claimed the him Edmonton. and they wanted to send him in the American League, they'd have to put him on waivers again. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I to be honest, with you, I just I didn't think of that. But yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too surprised about that that move. But uh, still rooting for the for the guy and wish it would have gone a little bit different. Uh, here, without some, without some, I agree some, on that. Some of the noise. Yeah, I agree with that. I right, listen. I don't have too much uh, to add other than to say hi to you and uh, the rest of the uh, the gang at nine sixty radio and the reg- the other regular callers. And now that I'm back and we watch a little more hockey and get back up to speed on what's going on with the team and fall back uh, at some other point. Welcome back. It's uh, good to have you back, Evan. All right. Uh, you take care. Okay. See you, pal. Your boy, uh, your boy Eugenio is up next, hey? Uh, yeah, I told him I'm making my debut tonight, so I think you got a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Take a good care. point. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, Eugenio can't let Evan on without having uh, some sort of rebuttal. Uh, Eugenio up next following a 6-3 loss to the Sharks. What's up, brother? Did you uh, put us back-to-back on purpose? I didn't. You actually fell in as as the next two in line. It's it's fate. You're soulmates. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. I I don't agree with him on Wolf at all, but that's just for another conversation. I I don't trust. I don't. I don't have much belief in Wolf like all you guys do. But we could talk about that another time. I was just calling in today because I was listening to a caller before, and I'm not going to call him out or anything. I I hope he's listening though. And he made a point that we're and you know me and you have had discussions before, and I've been hard on the Flames at times, saying they owe the fans more and. We deserve better, et cetera. I don't know if you remember that a couple of years ago. But he made a comment, and he was talking about today how we're one of the most pathetic franchises and that we've never done a proper rebuild. 
May I ask you a question, Pat? When did we have the chance to do a proper rebuild? And like, name me the opportunity. You said that year in 2014-15 was probably our best chance if we didn't make the playoffs, right? Well, no. Okay, so what my point was um, is that in um, so when they traded again, low when they traded Bowmeister, when Kiprasov retired, that was all in in a short period of time, right? And so yeah. they went to the draft in in 2013. Unfortunately, they didn't hit a home run, um, but they they drafted Monahan and they drafted two others uh, in in Klimchuk and Emil Poirier. Now those two didn't work out, as we know. But they drafted Monahan in 2013, had a, a a rough year, and they drafted fourth overall that year. They went and they they drafted Sam Bennett, so now they've got a sixth overall pick and a fourth overall pick in back to back years. Um, and now you are in a spot where you're like, okay, if this can continues um let's let's see where it goes and then then just hold on and then they have the 2014-15 year where they made the playoffs they won the playoff round they shocked the hockey world right and then then they're trading first round picks the following summer and that's when i feel like their rebuild went off course so it had started but never got it never got to the conclusion. So I wonder what happened because we all knew that that 14-15 team was was a, a, a team that was way over their heads. And oh, we yeah. saw the following year, even with Dougie Hamilton and trading away a first-round pick, they came way back down to earth the following year. So I wonder what happens if even if they make the playoffs that year, if they don't trade for Hamilton, they don't trade uh, first-round picks and all that type of stuff. I, I wonder how the rebuild would have continued. Or I wonder if that fluke year doesn't happen and they have another year where they're out of the playoffs like we expected them to be. I wonder how the rebuild progresses and all that type of stuff. That was more the point I was trying to make. Okay, for sure. And I, and I agree with your point. But the, the point I'm trying to say is this caller is completely, you know, just, oh, the Flames are the most pathetic franchise out of the four national, four big sports, et cetera, et cetera. What did he, what did he and other fans expect when before the fourteen fifteen season? You're right, we didn't expect much, but we hadn't made the playoffs in five years. Then we went on that great run, finished sixth in the conference, played Vancouver, upset Vancouver in the first round, then played Anaheim in the second round. So obviously, the thinking of the Flames is okay. Well, we have something here. They're not going to rebuild after the year they just had. Also, that year, did they? did he expect us to trade our assets when we're in a playoff spot when we hadn't made it in five years? Like I, I, I hear this story from so many fans saying, Oh, we've never done a full rebuild. This team is pathetic, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't think we've ever had the chance to do a full rebuild. I think we had the opportunity if we struggled that one year, but you know, Gaudreau played well in his rookie year. Monaghan was a stud and we end up making the playoffs. Of course, you're going to add. When you have a run like that, you're going to add. And we added Dougie. Obviously, it didn't work out. And in hindsight, maybe we should have done that rebuild. But you can't do a rebuild after a year that we had in 2014-15. You know, you, you see the point that I'm trying to say? Like, kind of. We kind of. Okay, we overachieved that year. But you're not going to go and say, okay, well, we just had a great year. But you know what? That was a fluke. Let's still continue this rebuild. Teams don't do that. They they don't do that. We 
overachieved, but we thought we could grow on that. We had Monahan, we had Johnny, then we had just Bennett coming in. We thought we had something good. Obviously, it didn't pan out, but I'm just getting really tired of hearing this motive and the storyline that the Flames are a pathetic franchise because they've never done a full rebuild. I just don't think we've ever had the chance to do a full rebuild. You know, I'll tell you one thing. The chance that we had to do a full rebuild was actually a couple years before when we kept Aginla for too long. And I know me and you have talked about this too. We should have traded Aginla two to three years before we did. And if we had done that, then maybe those early 2010 years, we would have been really, really bad instead of finishing in the middle like we always do and had some more top-end, high-end picks then. Maybe that's the one time we could have done a full rebuild. After that, there was no chance for it. You had Johnny, you had Monty, you had Bennett, you had your, you had Dougie in the back end, you had your rotation of goaltenders. There was just no chance of a rebuild. And it's the same situation right now. We can't rebuild. You have Kadri and Huberto in their contracts. There's just no, no chance of us to do a rebuild. Can we do a retool? Sure. If we move Markstrom, which I think we should. I really do think we should move Markstrom. As good as he's been and proved tonight that, you know, I think if Markstrom's a net tonight, we probably win. I think the haul that we would get for him right now is worth it. But I agree with you. We would have to get a haul. Like, we, you can't trade Markstrom just for the sake of trading Markstrom. Yeah, I, I agree we, with that part. Yeah, I agree with that. But but if we get that haul, then you got to do it. But Again, we can't do a full rebuild. Not when you have these contracts. You got Uyghur for eight years. You got Erasmus. Like it's, it's just too hard. So I, I just, I think the flame. I think we get, we give the flames too much grief for the, never doing a full rebuild. Doing a full rebuild does not always work either. I, everyone thinks that you do a full rebuild and you're going to be a Stanley Cup contender. There's a lot of teams out there that have been doing a full rebuild for a very long time and they have gotten nowhere near the Stanley Cup. All right, buddy. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, got lucky. You got me and Evan on the same night. Hey, geez. I know. I know. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot to tell you something. I actually, uh, um, I went to a funeral a couple weeks ago, and uh, this Italian guy that I had never met comes up to me, and he's like, "You're Eugenio," and I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Oh, my name is Maurizio," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, nice to meet you," and he's like, "Robert's my brother." No way. Yeah, and then I'm like, wow. And he's like, yeah, man, Robert's my – but this guy was a lot younger. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, we... it must have been 20 years apart. And he was telling me, like, Robert's a big Inter fan and how he's always called in and passionate. And I'm like, yeah, I've met Robert a bunch of times at the old Shanks and stuff. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And you're, are you are you an AC guy? Is that how it goes? Oh, no, Juve, Juve. Oh, you're a Juve guy, right? And he's yeah. a. I and I know so little about uh, about about Italian soccer, but I know that he's an Inter guy, and I knew that you yeah. were. But you're a you're a Juve guy, okay? Um, yeah. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for disparaging you. No, in, no, you know, I, no worries I've, at all. I've offended you. <laughs> no, no worries at all. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. He's like, yeah, Robert's my brother. I was like, yeah. I was like, I've met Robert. He's uh, he's a gem for sure. Oh, he's a beauty. One of the best. Yep. Yep. Okay, pal. We'll talk soon, man. Okay, Eugenio. Be well, All buddy. Right. Okay, you too. Uh, last call tonight is Bryce following a 6-3 loss to San Jose. What's up, Bryce? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good, man. You sure have, you're sure having a, a night that uh, a weird uh, one, right? Yeah, it's a weird one. It's <laughs> a weird one, my friend. And it, and it's all I know it's all about these trades, but yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, um, 
considering all those, like, um, and it's hard to lose Mark Strom if, if, if that trade with the Devils, but but who knows uh, what's in there? But um, yeah, but they're even you're talking about Matthew Phillips. I would it would like you said they would have to put him on waivers, but I would think they would have, give him a chance just just. Uh, um, for the Wranglers, and then and then he can improve what he was doing, and then getting his confidence back. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, if 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 yeah. they were to claim him on waivers and wanted to send him to the American League, they'd have to put him on waivers again. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then yeah, just it was. Yeah. And then, like tonight, like they were saying, like I. Yeah, that power play. <laughs> like, who knows? Like, it's really hard to watch it. But um, and then they play like that. I like it's um, disappointing. But you know, it's they're just in a that phase, like uh, era. I guess things switch around, and then hopefully, hope again, things will get straightened out with what um, Craig Connor is doing and. Well, again, like we're we're mm-hmm. still like we're we're, yeah. we're still very early in Craig Conroy's yeah. tenure here. Yeah, there's there's yeah. We, we still need to see the the stamp that he's going to put on this team. Mm-hmm. Then we have to wait a while until we see it all in effect. It's, right, and then we got what, then then we see that we see what the stamp is. Then we mm-hmm. we then mm-hmm. then we find out if it's a good stamp or not. Right. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what those draft picks will look like either, and you got to see where where it lies. Right. They, yeah. What are they looking for? What do they need? And then vice versa. Yeah. They need, like, well, we all know what they need is offense, and they don't have enough of it. <laughs> but that's, but they're, but they're probably thinking, like, for the depth wise, like, with their lack of, and they have to go by what, what they have. Yeah. 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 And then hopefully you just cross your fingers. But like they said, by the time the new arena gets there, they'll be okay, but maybe not top level yet. But Well, that's the plan is that I, I think yeah. that is the plan. I yeah. think they would like to be in a spot mm-hmm. where they're ready to hit their stride come the fall of 2027 when that arena is open. I think, that, that, I think that's yeah. kind of like what the goal is right now. Yeah, and that's where they have to go. That's just. And then we just have to be more patient than, than it's hard to because it's, it's with anybody it's like human nature kind of like watching something like it's like and you and you don't know where it's going to lead and, and then you hope it's and then all of a sudden fails again that's kind of you don't want to be but we don't know but you have to wait and see right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then also too i got uh, a week and a half to until we're over there, <laughs> special yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we're 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 working on it. Well, we're, we're don't worry. I know. Don't worry. I know. When are you, when are you when are you when do you get here? And what uh, when I get there on the we're leaving from BC on the 26th, so it will be in there by the 27th. And then when do you uh, when do you leave? Uh, from here. Uh, oh, I mean end of the like week. When are you? When do you leave Calgary? When are you done in Calgary? Oh, the second. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it ha- Oh, geez. Uh, so you leave the twenty. 20- so the the only game there would be the game against LA, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then there's one on that on that 
Sunday, I think, but that they'll be gone by then. <laughs> uh, no, there's yeah. not a game. So there's a game on the yeah. 27th, and then yeah. there's a game on the 2nd, but you're gone yeah. by the 2nd, so it would have to be that 27th, hey? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll work yeah. on it. Yes, and then and then they can meet on the team and stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And, yeah, and let me see what I can do. Fingers. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Take Bryce. Thank yeah. you, buddy. Good to hear from yeah. you as yeah. always. Yeah. You too. Bye. Okay, man. <laughs> bye, bye. And that will uh, wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. It's been a ride. These are the hard. I'll be perfectly honest with you. These are the uh, hardest games to do and the hardest um, post-game shows to do because you're, you're living in so much gray because there's so much speculation out there. I saw Kevin Weeks put something out there tying, putting Rasmus Anderson's name out there on the interest list that he's drawing interest from teams. Now, that's all he said is that he's drawing interest from teams. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would be calling about Rasmus Anderson as well if I were another team, just seeing the way things are. He's got two years left on his contract. It's a palatable contract, all that type of stuff. I'd be calling about him too. Um, so, yeah, I would be interested if I'm an opposing team. I don't know where that stands right now. They can't trade all their defensemen, right? Um, and they're, they're, I, I'm quite certain they're not going to trade all three of Tanev, Hannafin, and Anderson between now and the deadline. But I only bring that up because these are tough shows to do, and I'm not trying to – it's not a victim. I'm not a victim. By no means am I a victim. They're just – you know, I, I, I don't come out of these games and these shows feeling anywhere near as good because it's tough living in that gray, and you're fielding these phone calls, and you want to be accurate, and you want to make sure that what you're saying um, is, is true. You're worried about, okay, one thing that I might say, is that going to come back to haunt me, and somebody's going to record that and throw that back in my face? And I, I don't really worry about that, but, like, it's just – there's so much swirling right now. We don't know what's happening with Markstrom. Um, is is that going to be something that is revisited, or does that ramp back up? And Hannafin and Tanev have been living in this ether world for so long. There's just so much, and then you've got and and there's so much that I don't see on Twitter. And and I go back to George's call. He's throwing out a bunch of speculation. I saw this on that Twitter account. I'm like George. I don't like you. Like you can't be throwing that stuff at me because like I I, I don't I don't see it all. So so, and then reporting it like it's fact. And, and again, I don't know. Um, I don't know all of what everybody's seeing. So then it comes, you, you, you throw it at me on the phone lines and yeah, it gets a little, uh, it gets a little difficult to navigate sometimes. Um, so I guess that's a long way and a long form way of me saying that, these are tough shows to do and and not tough in the oh poor me way it's just hey i still love doing it and it's a privilege to do it it's just man these these are the ones that you're like holy cow like i don't think i did a very good job tonight because there's so much speculation and so much swirling around this team we'll see where things are on friday and the flames play saturday against detroit it's time for tonight's final summary thank you and that's again nothing wrong like no that's not critical and the only reason i bring george's name up is because it's george and he's a regular and i know he can and and you know we, we there's there's a good rapport there um great stuff as always on the text line great stuff as always on the phone lines um and appreciate it 
throughout the uh, entire show, which is a marathon one tonight. Uh, here's how we got to tonight's final score. It's time for the final summary. Nazem Kadri opened the scoring for the Flames. It was a good first period for Calgary. Nazem Kadri made it 1-0 with his 17th of the year. Martin Pospisil, the assist at 419. But the Sharks kind of took it over from there. Second period, Mikhail Granlin ties it with his 6th at 452 from Philip Zadina. And then Justin Bailey made it 2-1 Sharks at 7.50 with his fourth. Bailey from Zadina, and the Sharks have the lead, a lead they would not relinquish the rest of the night. Then a power play goal from Luke Coonan makes it 3-1 with his seventh. William Eklund and Kyle Burrows, the assist at 12.30. Flames get one back late in the second on a Michael Backlund goal, his 12th from Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin at 19.40. 3-2 Sharks after 40 minutes of play. Uh, they go back in front by two at the fourth. 38 mark of the third. Zadina gets his third point of the night, his sixth of the year, uh, makes it 4-2 from Nico Sturm and Bailey at 438. Then less than a minute later, Zadina again completes his first ever four-point night in the NHL to make it 5-2 Sharks, his seventh from Bailey and Mark Edward Vlasic at 515. And then it turns into a bonafide blowout at 1530 when Coonan scores again to make it 6-2 Sharks, an unassisted goal. San Jose uh, cruising They'd allow one more. Uh, 70 seconds later, Andre Kuzmenko in his Saddledome debut with the Flames gets the Flames back within three. Kuzmenko's 11th from Chris Tanev and Jonathan Huberdeau at 16.40. For Huberdeau, his 700th career NHL point uh, makes it 6-3, which would end up being the final score. Final shots, 34-30 in favor of Calgary. Flames go 0-5 for 5 on the power play. San Jose 1-3 for 3 with the man advantage. Uh, your three stars, number three, Luke Kunin, number two Mackenzie Blackwood in net for San Jose and the number one star with his first ever four-point night two goals and two assists uh, Philip Zidina the number one star this evening with the loss Calgary falls to 25 24 and 5 they're back in action at Saturday at home to Detroit while San Jose improves to 15 33 and 5 they're back in action Saturday at home to Columbus that is your post-game report and now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Matt Chikusko, for our reporter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll uh, start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for Calgary, note the start time, 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. It's the Flames and Red Wings will be on the air at 1 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Um, have yourself a wonderful rest of your week and into the weekend. Your final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome in an ugly one. Flames fall 6-3 to the San Jose Sharks. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.